This is it now, boys. Let's be having you. Episode 169 and it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Carl Don't even have time for small talk today Gary This show is bleeding packed Straight in, no kissing So uh, yeah I do want to say one thing though Gary You are genuinely the most unvaccinated person <laughs> I know right now Oh I actually probably am yeah I'm getting there, I'm waiting on a reschedule But they're, uh, they're actually like, they're pretty lax like, so, obviously, I couldn't get it because the family had COVID. So, I said, right, can I reschedule this? Yeah, that's grand. Just wait on a text. I was like, grand, no sign, no sign, no sign, no sign. So, kind of ringing up and I'm like, can I can I get, like, vaccinated? And like, yeah, yeah, just wait on a text. I was like, for fuck's sake. So, I got <laughs> on to McCabe's. They only had Janssen. Ran a mile from that. Pfizer till I die. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll get it eventually, but still hashtag unvaccinated filled at the minute. <laughs> But um, yeah, prop. So our sponsors, of course, Ocean Electrical. Fantastic electrical guys. Uh, they just fix electrical things and get get it done. What an advert that is! <laughs> <laughs> Not a great guys. They really are, and um, very successful as well, going up in the world. So um, watch out for them and check them out if you need any electrical work done. They're brilliant. And of course, prop. We have lesser credit. Who got your back? <laughs> That's enough. I can't think of anything else to say. But they're great. Check out Lenser Credit. Need a few quid on payday. Um, check them out. So that is Lenser Credit. And uh, of course, we have a couple more probably lined up, Prof. But the local patron partnership is starting to gain a bit of momentum as well. So all these little companies, we're going to get them all together. And the four Profs has proven extremely, extremely um, great. I mean, it was a fantastic night. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, we, uh, we nearly drank them dry but we'll move on prof so we're going to talk about talent last week and talent tomorrow where we need a big comeback in the second leg and there's a Belgrade flashback and we paid tribute to Michal Obrolochan aka Rennie the uh, birther of SRSC TV you could say yeah it's his legacy isn't it do you know what could you imagine being on the Hoops SC with Rennie on it with like John Bourne Forky um Big Dick. George Bourne. Uh, Mr. Cleary. Rest in peace, Mr. Cleary. Like, could you imagine being on that bus? I'd say it was just arguments left, right and centre. But civil ones, you know, where you're getting <laughs> your point across and no one actually chose a dig. I would have loved to have been on it. A fly in the wall, it would have been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Bird of the Blades, Prof. And the Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street went down a tree. How good is that song? I found myself singing it all week. Yeah, it's a cracker. The Last Man in Europe. 
um, but hopefully not the case this week. Hopefully we get through. And we've Adam Bourne. He said, very good listening, lads. Uh, listening to McDara Ferris' account of Talent 2011 brought back memories of that trip from sleeping on the floor of Stansted Airport overnight, waiting on the connecting flight to singing Rover songs with Pat Flynn and Molly Malone's after the match. What a trip. Yeah, McDara says he's available for audiobook work. Because uh, that was that was his blog post that he actually just read <laughs> out from 2011. Or if you want a birthday celebration wish, let him know. You can get him on. We have McDara Ferris wishing you a happy birthday. That's a thing. That's a thing. Irish celebrities now. It's called voice. I don't know what it is, but you remember we were talking about you can get Killian Brennan to wish you a happy birthday for twenty five quid. Oh, get Killian Brennan to do your your team talk for you. Yeah, the motivational speech. Yeah. Also, we have uh, Rory Gaffney himself claims that his first goal against Tuta was a scoop. Drop him. Drop him. Get him out of club. Nonsense. Nonsense. Not a chance. Was it a scoop? Not a chance. Think. He needs to listen to those definitions we gave last week and stop this nonsense. Stop the nonsense. Scoop. Would you get out of it? Uh, yeah, if you, oh, yeah, by the way, Adam Board, I think you were looking to get in on the Golden Goal. Text us your number on Instagram. We'll add you into the group. Anybody else wants to get in on the Golden Goal, it's uh, proven very popular. And Ozzy Nay has won himself a beer hamper on top of a lovely 180 quid last week. Four provinces provided with him. He would be getting that on Thursday. So a... Lovely, lovely beer hamper full of Poddle and Piper and Stout and everything else. So he's, he's going to be a very lucky man. And if you want to get involved, like I said, send your number on Instagram or Twitter and we will get you into the group. And that includes a last man standing as well. So loads of activity. So Rovers' historic win against Partizan Belgrade was 10 years ago. Exactly 10 years ago on Wednesday, Prof. So when this comes out. And today, as you're listening to us, so we have clips from eight people. We were there that night. Five who were on the pitch, one on the bench, one on the coaching staff. One fan, it's Carl Shepard, Billy Denny, Craig Sivet, Pat Flynn, Ryan Thompson, Andy Moyle, Dunster and Royser. So, here we go. And comfortably dealt with this time. As the shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! 1-1! Pat Sullivan. Man alive! Out of nowhere, the right back has given Shamrock Rovers a Europa League lifeline. And the, one of the centre points of the, the season was the, the playoff win in, in Belgrade. You'd actually been injured and you you hadn't played an awful lot. I think maybe that might have been your first game back uh, when it got to the playoff round in the Europa League. Yeah, I had just been out with a, with, I suppose, what at the time was a, a slightly scary injury that I had. Uh, I suppose an extra pathway in my heart burned out. And uh, I suppose, look, the club were fantastic at the time. They not only looked after everything in terms of the surgery and finding the best doctors and everything like that and best surgeons, but they also hid it from the media. They said I had an ankle injury and it's them little things that don't go, I suppose, I suppose don't be forgotten very quickly on my end. Anyway, I realized that the club protected me as much as they could. And then to come back into a game where I suppose it meant so much for not just Shamrock Rovers and Shamrock Rovers fans, but Irish football in general to go on and, to qualify for the Europa League, I suppose it was a real, uh, it was a really, really big night in, in Irish football. And certainly for myself, it was just unbelievable to come back in from such a long time out into a game with that intensity to, I suppose it was great that I was able to at least show what I could do and had, I suppose, a, an impact on the game when I came on. Yeah, you came off the bench and you won the penalty kick. Were you tempted to try and elbow Stephen O'Donnell out of the way and take the spot kick? <laughs> 
No, not at all. Jeez, my nerves are shot alone just watching Stevie. I'd, in fairness, from, I don't know how he had the, the composure to just relax himself and to go on and score. But I think you could see, even, even now, when I think of his celebration, it brings a smile to my face because once he scored, then his celebration was, oh my God, what's, what have we just done? I think it dawned on everyone that not only were we huge, I suppose, massive outsiders in the game, but at that moment, I suppose, it dawned on us that, geez, we're going to do this. It, it's in our hands now. And it was some atmosphere in the stadium. It was interesting. Pico Lopez was playing for Cape Verde in the very stadium uh, this weekend against the yeah. Brazilian Olympic side. Uh, didn't mm. seem to be too many spectators there. I presume it's behind closed doors. But that night in, in Belgrade, it was a it was a packed stadium. You know, they've a, their fan base are pretty notorious. So it was it was quite the atmosphere. Yeah, it was. I remember going out for a warm up and just thinking this place is bouncing. It's unbelievable. And I suppose the good thing for me was that at my age, I was very young and naive that I almost didn't think twice about it then as soon as the game got going. I know, I'd say if I was maybe now in my, I suppose, maybe 29, 30, whatever age, I suppose if you're a bit later on in your career, maybe you have a little bit more fear. But when you're young, you just, I suppose, you don't hold anything back. And I do remember that it was fantastic, obviously, to come on in the game and you could feel the atmosphere and it almost got you going a little bit more. But so it was a very big thing that for us as a team was at the end, they actually stood on and clapped us, booed their own team off and then clapped us. So that was it. That was obviously a, a very nice thing that they done for us. And it was something that, again, it, it almost made the night an, an extra bit special knowing that, you know, we've actually won over their fans because of the way we've played. And I suppose the attitude and the grit and determination that we showed in our play too. You know, certainly when you stop knowing, you think back, there were so many teams in Ireland over the years banging on that European door. You think of, you know, the Dradas, the Corks that were, you know, invested heavily in to try and break down that European barrier. And nobody could do it, like, you know, and, and I suppose when the group of 2011, the Shamrock Rose group, were the first ones to ever do it, I think it created a belief all around the country that, you know, this this is there now for, for everyone who aspires to it and, and, and who can do it. And, you know, we've seen Dundalk go on and do it since. And, you know, I feel like the way the league is now and, and hopefully things will keep progressing, then it should be a mainstay, you know, that Irish clubs are competing at that level because to my mind, certainly the talent is there. It's just giving the clubs the resources and the structures and the finance and the support to be able to compete at that level because there's no doubt that Irish clubs can compete at that level of European football. It's just, as I said, getting everything else in place to, to give the players and the clubs the best chance possible. And uh, August is actually the 10-year anniversary since the the famous uh, win in Belgrade that gets you through to the group stages of the Europa League. Like the when we look back, everybody remembers that tie. But actually, the Gary McCabe goal in the first leg in Tala, he got a great individual goal, was really really important. Um, and and it probably gave you guys the belief going over. Maybe other people didn't believe, but I think uh, Michael O'Neill certainly instilled in the belief that you could go over to Belgrade and get a result. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. Um... Gary McCabe goal, it was an unbelievable goal and he's a special player in our team, you know, he's you know, a player that had goals and assists and, and that was an unbelievable goal that night um, in, in the home leg and obviously the second leg, you know, the heat and, and everything that it was, you know, the game, um, you know, I didn't have a great game myself, I'm sure I was taken off, um, but you know, the player that commanded unbelievably well um, and of course the, the strike um, by Sully to you know, to get the us back in the game and, and you know, the whole group, everybody, you know, it's it was an unbelievable night and, and you know, when we 
certainly when we stop and think about it, you know, the, the celebrations afterwards were only as good as the game. So it was uh, it was a good trip all around. You were you were yeah, you would have been watching on from the bench then an extra time watching Stephen O'Donnell line up the, the penalty. Uh you know, he showed great bottle to to step up and, and you know, you mentioned the, the heat. It was a, a heated atmosphere as well as a really hot conditions. Uh, he, he showed great bottle to, to score that goal to, to win the tie. Yeah, he did. Good old Stevie. I think to be fair, he was injured for most of the year, so at least he brought something to the table by coming on and scoring <laughs> that goal. So um no, look, fantastic penalty, you know, it, it's there for forevermore and, and you know it's um it's one that helped us, I suppose, that bit of luck that we need is on the night. Um, you know, what you do with all big games, you need a, you need a bit of luck here and there. And, and I think we probably deserved this, you know, for the efforts that we put in leading up to that game. And um, as I said, it, it, it led us into the group stages then, which was, I suppose, um, something that nobody in Irish football had seen before. And, and it was something that I suppose we, we as a group didn't fear. We were relishing the challenge that was ahead of us at the time. And into the partisan uh, then, were you confident going into the partisan game with the forced leg and the uh, one of the uh, best goals I've seen in a, an underrated Rovers goal would be the Gary McCabe goal as well. It was, it was a great goal. Um, did we have to think? Hopefully the die I gave to Billy. I think the other boys, I think, yeah, it wasn't the best actually. Yeah, I've, I've, I've shelled it long. The right back's header, I think he's headed the back into Bill. He's passed into Gary McCabe and Gary McCabe's beat two or three boys. I think he's still poked at three keepers' legs or something, I think. Super goal. Um, oh, it was brilliant, yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, we deserved that that night as well. I was, I can, you know, I can remember that it's like 10, 15 minutes to go, like, they, they were gone. Like We were really pushing were for them, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, we probably, in fact, I think we should have won that. I'm sure Twiggy had a good chance as well near the end. Because mm. I, in fact, I, I think he did because it was a long throw. And I, I can mingle up for the header with the keeper, and it's just—I think it's landed at Twiggy, and he's—he's turned on, he's swivelled, and he's just—it's just went over the bar. But um, no, I, I felt we should have probably taken something for that game, like yeah, for the first leg. But you know, going into the second leg, yeah, I, yeah, I can't. I'm not gonna die. I'm not gonna lie. You. I don't. I don't think we would. We would. Uh, we would go through. You know, especially with the heat, it was just, it was fucking roasting. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't really uncomfortable to play in. Like, it was like a, it's like, you know, you get the low setting on a hairdryer. Yeah. It was like that. It was like that for 90 just minutes. Dead heat. No, not even 90 minutes, 120 minutes. It was just like that for the whole game. It was, yeah, it's horrible. So yeah. when that when McCabe crossed it in with the from the corner and that ball was headed out, did you think to yourself, so he's not going to strike that? <laughs> Well, he was that far at the pitch actually yeah. usually, he was, uh, usually he was back at the halfway lane I think they might have brought everyone back actually that's why he's just he's edge up the park a bit but no what jeez what a strike and then yeah just remember hitting the back of the net and just running over running after Sully and Sully and Muzz and I think fucking you know, broke my nose like Enders jumped in the back of me my nose went right into the back of Dan Murray's head <laughs> fucking beauty we, so had, like, we had the photograph frame somewhere actually that celebration of that goal oh, yeah yeah what a moment that was um, I like, but we'd actually we'd actually played quite well so it leads up to the goal with the start of the second half we, we kept the ball for for long periods of the game and I think we sort of settled us a wee bit um, 
and obviously, yeah, got to take extra time. And who, who came on? Killers came on. Sheppy, I think Sheppy came on at half time, didn't he? Sheppy done really well that night, actually. Because um, we went to 4 4 2, didn't we? Uh, who else came on? Stevie came on as well. Stevie was brilliant when he came on. I remember that? I remember his tackle as well. He had a couple of tackles, you know, in the six yard box. So when um, when Stevie is taking that penalty in extra time, you can just see you, Dan Murray, and Ennis Stevens. You're all in the exact same pose in the halfway line, hands on your knees, <laughs> staring. So what's yeah. going through your mind? Well, that's because I was fucked, but like, <laughs> so I got breath. But no, I just yeah, I, mean, I, I can't even remember. It. It's bizarre. Like, it, it's a shame I can't really remember much about it to be honest. Um, Obviously, he scored it and we've run over the corner and, you know, you just try to take your time, just kill time from there on, there on in because you know that they've got to score too. Um, and, yeah, when it's, you know, when we finally done it, it was, like, what a feeling. It was, it was unbelievable. And you couldn't grasp how, how big of an achievement it was straight away? I mean, did you, did you think to yourself, like, is this real? Yeah, like, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was unbelievable. It's just something that you know you never think would you never think would happen, and we, um, and even with that group of players, like you know, none of us really. When you, when you think back now, like none of us really kicked on, and apart from Bender, Sheffield went to Redden, but like you know, none of us really kicked on after that. Um, so to do it with that that group of players was you know it made it even more. Um, more impressive our march on Europe continues Pat go on give us our prediction for Galway away it's always been a good hunting ground so say 2-0 as well yeah definitely I will take that one and uh, you are part of the historic Michael O'Neill squad that won two league titles and qualified for the Europa League group stages so can you tell me what was your favourite European trip top European trip of everything Um, result Banter, camaraderie, stories. It's, it's mix between, it all up and pick the number it's one. It's between Israel and Belgrade, and would say Belgrade, just because the what you said the camaraderie before was huge going into it. All the lads were sticking together. Yeah. As we were going to the stadium, there was people banging on the bus, throwing flares at it. And what were their fans like? They were crazy. They're mad. They're, Very they'd, intimidating. They'd like, it seemed to me now I was on the bench so I could sit back and take it in it seemed yeah. there was two sets of ultras that hated each other and they really? seemed to be charging at each other fighting that's a great other. perspective from a player sitting um, on the bench isn't it they had British flags at UVF on it and all this I think it was they obviously yeah, 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 yeah. how to piss how to take the yeah. piss out of the Irish uh, they were booing Ryan Thompson before I think a couple of bananas they were being racist to him yeah. and at the end of that match Ryan played great. They clapped them off, which is it was like rocky that emotion. That save, most outrageous save I've ever seen in a Roberts game. Superhuman. He he's not he's not actually human. He's some sort of mutant that just came from a different <laughs> planet and decided to play in goal. What a save! What was he like as a guy? Ah, he was great. We got on with him really well. We just you just, know he's been in Johnny Blues. He has not. Has he, he certainly has. has he? he came to Tomo's party. Tom, we talked to him on the regular. He is a gent. He, he came to Tomo's party. I think it was your 18th, 18th. And we yeah. said to him, "Do you want to come down? My brother would be delighted. And he loves you as a player." And he came down, sat with us, have a drink. Oh, he yeah. came in, drank a bottle of vodka, and left. 
Jay, Free uh, bottle of vodka. Uh, uh, of course. That's and Ryan. For went you, down yeah. to the plaza. <laughs> <laughs> He's an He's a great fellow. I don't want to read What a save, though. Man alive! And what about that save in Belgrade then? I mean, hey, well, actually, the first question I'm going to ask you about that is do you have a picture of that on the wall in the house that you're living in at the moment? <laughs> and if you no, don't, you should. No. <laughs> I think it was Bobby Best or, or George Kelly. One of, one, one of them sent me, I think it was Bobby, sent me a picture of me fully stretched out. Yeah. I'm like, man, that, it's, that was unreal. That was oh. unreal. Uh, easily the, the, the best save that reflexive that I, I'd made, I've made. You know? And of course, in such a big stage as well, kind of added to it in a way. Yep. Again, I'm just thankful that I was able to, to do that and be a part of history because I know how much that game meant to Ireland in general. The Irish mm. supporters, Shamrock Rovers supporters. You know, I, 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 just, I was just grateful, man. I was just grateful because there's something that goes down in history. In a, I was a part of history, but most importantly, it made a lot of people happy that night. And, you know, I'm happy I could put smiles, put smiles on people's face, man. That's my, yeah. that's my dream in this life, you know? Man alive! So, favourite moments from the European run in 2011. Is there anything that pops out from either anyone's minds here, from any nights out or any incidents or anything like that? There's some great nights out. I would say so. Oh. <laughs> some great nights out. Um, I remember, like, there's some, some of the. Uh, there's one unbelievable, but actually, the, we were in a in Serbia. Right. <laughs> Partizan Belgrade, it's the second leg. And we went out for a few points the night before the game. The staff did, not the lads. Right. The lads are on my bed. The staff went this All right. We were down on <laughs> these. I can't remember the name of the. It's not the. It's the sort of second river in Belgrade but there's loads of these barges that go onto right. the river incredible places like top notch so we're in there we're having a few drinks and next of all who do we look down and see right dancing his heart out is the dock do you remember the dock super dock super dock super dock he's still super around dock. you haven't yeah. seen him in a while actually. super dock is giving it loads right on the, the dance floor oh. these girls whatever I said that so I whipped my is phone there out footage of this? there is somewhere in the world right because Please I, bring I, it I whipped my phone out and videoed the doc, right? Dance, whatever. <laughs> I had to see this video. He didn't drink or anything, though, does not it? No, it was incredible, right? <laughs> and uh, so when we're doing the team talk the next day for the match, we took the, vi- the, the video footage and I remember, I think it was Magilton stood up and was like, you know, the, the, the thing was, like, we knew we were really going to have to do something special to get into the thing, but the opportunity was there and he said, like, listen, sometimes he said, Human beings can go to places that you just don't think they can get to. Did it? You know, he said, like you know, they go above and beyond. He said, and that's where we're going to have to go tonight. He said, he said, we have people going above and beyond all the time. You know, whatever it was. I can't remember the exact words of speech, but and then we whipped out the video and played it on the screen for the boys. <laughs> the and they just cracked up. Everybody just cracked up, and it's sort of just, you know, light yeah. in the mood and yeah. everybody thing. And we were watching it. We went on obviously now the result or whatever at the end of it, but. It was like ama- it was an amazing thing about, it. and it it exists somewhere. I think Fergal Kernan, the physio, used to have it on his laptop. That's how he got on the thing. I must have. We'll, we'll be on the other time. I must ask him. And can you remember the goal going in? Do you remember McCabe crossed it in? The header goes out. What were you thinking? Were you thinking he's not? He's not going to shoot, surely? Yeah, it was like going into the Pat would have it in the locker in fairness. He was a good player. Yeah, pass over. Um, and it was one of those things like within a nanosecond of it leaving his boot. 
You were just like, that's, that's right. It's like the, yeah. the Del Piero one. Like, that's There's the graph there. One of the lads did up a graph for us there beside the, yeah. see there, yeah. the angle and everything. We were just like, that's straight in because he caught it. Like the sound, like it's like the sound of the ball leaving it. It's like, that's going in. And then the second goal was like, just mayhem. Just remember running on everybody pulling each other onto the ground and all. Like it was just mental. Apparently the, the board, the Serbia, the Partizan Belgrade board had booked flights and yeah. hotels. And they sorted the Rovers Lab. They looked after them, didn't they? They already booked it for the draw. So they just presumed they were going to It was to amazing. It was only four, it 42 lads there or something, isn't it? 40, the Belgrade 43. Yeah, so... Yeah, what they call it. So everybody was like in the, the bar and all that. So it was really Watching just the a, replay, was it? Yeah, just a really small group of... John Delaney there? I just don't remember. Someone was there, maybe Joe McGlue, someone along the lines that... Might have been Joe McGlue. And the same, and the same day, I think apparently one of them was putting money behind the bar or something like that. <laughs> and the same day, Monaghan went, went, went bust, didn't they? <laughs> someone went bust the same day, they were chucking money around, so... And I remember so, Paddy Cavanagh actually, that was in the same bar we went back to. He nearly got killed that night, Paddy. He'd probably tell you the story himself because there was, we're out on the, the river. It's not the Danube, it's the other river in Belgrade anyway, whatever, but... Uh, these boats come up to the other like big speed boats right. rock up to this place like and you get like some warlord with a whole load of models <laughs> jump off to the thing like you know it's a, it's a ropey place like that part of the world is just over the war and all you know yeah. and uh, anyway Paddy Camlet just rocks up and starts walking on your man this boat you know out there next of all these two fellas they just appear out of nowhere and try to grab Paddy <laughs> off the boat now, we didn't even notice but Paddy obviously caught them coming and just dived off to, and scuttled in underneath thing. I remember Michael saying to him, uh, Michael and I going, Paddy, we're in Serbia. <laughs> they're not just going to give you a beating. Like, they're going to fucking... Yeah, you're going to end up in the river. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, so it was, oh, it was mental. Man alive! It's normally the goal scorers that get the plaudits. Yeah, very true, yeah. And the attacking players. Paul, yeah. Paul, you were one of the Belgrade 43. Was it? Do you remember Super Doc on the boat? <laughs> I wasn't. I did. I didn't make. I didn't make. I didn't make it down the boat. But I, my my my, my, my Belgrade dock story is that we we basically wanted to go out to. There's a military history museum mm. down at the old. Uh, it's like a it's like a fort or whatever. Like, but we basically went to live, and the, we had a cop the whole time with us. And the was cop. Floor, and the cop. No, 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 it was like a, a local a cop. A local cop. cop. And he was like, no, you can't, you can't go anywhere on your own. <laughs> and we're like, what? He says, the way we'll get back up. Mm. And so basically, and we like, Mark McCadden and his missus and everything. Like, we, like so, so basically, they arrived and we walked down to this thing. And we're standing around walking around. And there was this kind of like, not quite a forest, but a heavily kind of, yeah, like lots of trees. And he was just walking. He was going, is that the dock? It was just him on his own with his briefcase. I was like, it was like, did you ever the see that? Yeah, no, but did you ever see that, like that old, the like the old, the old footage of like uh, of There's Big. There's only an apple in that briefcase. But did you know, like the old footage of Bigfoot, where you see yeah. Bigfoot walking through the woods? Like, that's what it looked like. It was just him walking through. It was the weirdest. But you know what? Yeah. That's still probably my favourite story ever as regards to Rovers is the speech he gave a speech, didn't he? He said sometimes people um, do things. Jim. Yeah, Michael. Michael, was it? Was it Jim? I think it was. Was it Jim? Someone, someone had a video. Anyway. The game. Was give the us your the give us your interpretation. Of that because we, we love morning, this. It was the morning of the game. We were watching the. We were watching them. We were watching a bit of them from the last leg. Yeah. We we're talking about a few things, and then I think it was then the pre-match meeting. You know, Michael's just like you know, there's things you want to aspire to be in life, and you want to, you know, and 
the one thing is try not to end up like this or something to that effect <laughs> and next week he bangs on a video and the doc's in the middle or something you want the sport to be this or something yeah, something yeah. along those lines I think Edo said something like he was sometimes human beings go above and beyond yeah, and do yeah. something they a shouldn't do yeah, yeah. 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 I think he was implying it, it was a video doc's in the middle of about three dollies like in a, in, a, in a nightclub like you know he's doing like the Chandler Bing dance you know the Chandler dances like, you know, uh, he's in the middle of three like Serbian girls like you know in a nightclub like dancing around loving like um, so that in fairness that actually is the whole tension of yeah. the it was really yeah, good I can imagine so both of you describe the scenes after Sonny's goal well first of all when the ball lands at his feet he's thinking it's going to go out for a throwing and secondly when so it goes in he's going to get this in the neck yeah. now when it goes in describe the madness yeah, from from our perspective, I said like we were. I'll tell you what, who's beside you? Give them a shout out. Uh, was sitting with Steve Seary, I think, and a few people. Tommy Standy, my brother was there. Mm. A few people around us, whatever. Like, but the whole thing was like we weren't in the main away section. Mm. There was like a we were in basically what would have been not quite the corporate area, but mm. maybe a family the area. Yeah, like, yeah. But like we just think like we were fully surrounded. Like, and uh, I said, I remember like when they scored everyone was kind of like well we always had the score coming here so that yeah it was disappointing but it changes nothing like we still we still had the score yeah. like but when the goal went in like we just it was just outrageous like it was just like one of probably one of the best goal I've seen like in the flesh yeah it was so I don't think he could have hit it absolutely and we were going mad and then all of a sudden you st- oh, and I, I think I said it in the book as well like in your book you stop and remember where you are. I'm and you're fucking Serbian. <laughs> I'm Serbian. Yeah, yeah, like, we're like, and I've only got these like line of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like, oh, and oh, but it was just, but it was just mental. I remember we was in, I was in Jamaica, and as you are, I was in a nightclub, right? And it was the sports, the Fox Sports moment of the week, and it only showed Sully's goal. So I'm, I'm standing there fucking drinking <laughs> rum and coke or whatever. <laughs> And I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I'm like, hold on, there's the fuck. It's like, so, I'm looking at, I go, the whore, the fucking, sunny, look. And I'm there going, how do I, I don't even know the result. I'm <laughs> going, what the fuck. And then the, the guy at the bar ended up knowing Thompson. Ryan Thompson. No way, yeah. Let me no use way. his phone. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, go on, whatever. I rang me little brother. And he didn't even know what was going on. He goes, yeah, yeah, aggregate scores. I go, did we fucking go through or what? And he's like, oh, well, I think we scored. And then, oh, yeah, put me down. Because <laughs> you got the aggregate wrong on there. Going, Jeez, I'm on the phone. And we can't even get it right. But it was, ah, it was yeah. brilliant. Fucking unbelievable. But when when you were, did you think you could do it? Was there a belief in the squad? Did they really think they could do it going into that game? I think after Gaz's goal here, he took the words and we made one of my favourite goals. What ever, a goal! Like, and, but it, it also just they didn't put us away here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They should have put us away in Tallaght. South Pinedas, yeah. wasn't it? No, was yeah. that was from Pell. That was, that was, that was Pell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they should have. I always remember they should have killed us here in Tallaght early on. They didn't, and they scored. They, they had one, and then Gaz has got the goal, and they just. And we actually should have won in Tallaght. Yeah. If you remember, was a Twiggy had a chance oh, straight after Gaz yeah. to win to win the toy. Um, but then we went out there. Then to be honest, I think nine times out of ten you lose that game because yeah. the amount of chances they had yeah. in the first half. Uh-huh. Ryan Thompson like right from the kick out <laughs> yeah. Ryan Thompson like there's no yeah. but he hit the I think they hit both surely posts. that's, yeah. that's probably save. the best save I've, I've gone back to say they, they hit both posts in the first half yeah. they and, must and have I remember, remember really early Ryan 
shank oh, the kick out oh, and put man. your man through. Like, Which you know what? He done it three times. He done it in Tala. He could not. He done it in Tala once. He done it in Tala once, and he done it in Belgrade. Yeah. I think he actually done it twice. Yeah. And your man's in on goal. But the great, the whole thing was, I remember he he, he, he acted like he was injured, mm. and he stayed down. And I actually thought he he was just composing himself. Mm. Well, that save is because uh, it's he's, he's, his hand is behind yeah. the rest of his body, like. But the likes of that, like there was never like the chances they missed. Not and obviously what couple yeah. of line saves they hit the post, and when so when yeah, scored that, you just thought. This could be a but, but, and number. then second half Stevie O'Donnell made a couple of great blocks yeah Stevie did yeah, Stevie, on the right on the line, on yeah. right on the line he had a couple yeah. of really good blocks as well on the line yeah. and when Stevie takes up to take, steps up to take the panel what was going through your head well let's talk about the dive first that wasn't a dive <laughs> which can dive off. all day no uh, Shep 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 that was a panel all day long yeah all day long yeah well, look, when Stevie, look, Stevie's really, he was, he was always good at penalties, but you were just, to be honest, when the penalty came, you thought, did anybody you know, talk to him before the penalty? If he had the ball in his hands, did anybody say anything? No, was there anything? No, because, you know. Any their players come yeah. and say, oh. No, know. I think Stevie just picked it up. There was no even discussion about, like, who wanted to take it. I think it was Twiggy off at that stage. He was off. Like, Twiggy got taken off. Yeah, for Kilduff, was Kilduff, yeah. Kilduff, yeah. Kilduff, who, 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 um, but I just remember yeah. saying, could win this game here if he scored yeah. this week and it's like you're in Holy the group shit. stages it's like nearly surreal like and then we scored another did we? No, did no. the penalty no, yeah. was it? The penalty was, was yeah. yeah. the seal they had a man sent off I remember the ball down the side was a Kilduff play uh, st- and, and the Stevens Ender played the ball, played the ball down, down and Kilduff tried to lob the keeper that's right. and he parried it that's right yeah, and it was, he got to recover he took Shep down yeah, yeah, no yeah. it was a great penalty no it was just it's actually it's only when Stephen announced his retirement there recently until this pre-season I can't remember was in Kilternan or somewhere really? and I, I was doing interviews and they inter- like Stephen had just signed and I asked him a question and I was saying like, I don't know if you noticed that we like we just lost the cup final mm. and I said we've had a bit of a problem with penos and I said do you think you're the answer to our uh, to our penalties and he says oh, he said something along the lines of if a penalty ever comes up I'll, I'll take it, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is that interview on MySpace it's on it's on Vimeo. That's still a real show. <laughs> yeah. So you, you were on two of them the next morning. And Belbret, yeah. Uh, I was. I always oh, called. Yeah, I always called uh, Samantha Lebrard. Yeah, I always called her my agent. <laughs> I, I got a lot of good media work around then. Really? But uh, yeah, so I got. I think it was on. She she texted me and said, "On Royce gave me your number. Would you mind taking a call from Two FM?" And I was like, I'm like literally in the airport in Belgrade, like, so I thought like it was going to be like a two minute kind of call, like, I think I was on for like 20 minutes <laughs> and like I cut off and I was like, oh, that's the end of it. And then they rang me back. So I, was, I, I felt like I was on for it. I was like sitting, trying to find a quiet area in mm-hmm. Belgrade airport. And then I got home then and then I can't remember who it was. It was Sully. I remember it was that was Sully and uh, Stephen O'Donnell. We were on Miriam O'Callaghan's show mm. on the on the Ooh. Saturday morning, and uh, I think they were in the and John Bourne and Owen Rice. I think uh, maybe Boz. I think were on it as well. But I was I was out on the Friday night, and I was literally sitting in my couch in my box shorts <laughs> all over. And it wasn't Miriam O'Callaghan. It was I think Claire Bourne was oh, covering yeah. covering for it. But, it, but it, uh, it was just but it was just bizarre. Next the, week was nuts. Yeah, it was it? It was nuts. Just like, 
Another good quote from you from uh, Tidal Time. You said, from near extinction to another stratosphere in six years. Mm. It's not an abstract thing. It's people I know who achieved this. It wasn't just the players. It was our achievement as a group of fans. It's amazing what people can achieve they put their minds to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's it. what I love. It's still, it's still yeah, around it's still the there. club as well. But. Man alive! Yeah, so that was the lads, prop. Um, excellent stuff, really was, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a mix of SRC TV on Zoom interviews and live in-person ones that we did in Johnny Blues in the last few years. Uh, obviously, Super Doctor. That's, that's I want to be his friends. It? It's simple. I just want to be mates with him. I want to go and do what he does. I want to shadow him for a day. Do you know what? Could you, it's genius from Magilton putting him up on the dressing room wall and saying, look at him. Look at all those models. Dancing around Super Doc. If he can do that, you can beat this. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that possibly gave us the win. Mm. That, that's how amazing, much of a master stroke that was. That was absolutely brilliant. And I laugh every time I'm laughing now. I just crack up every time I think of it. Uh-huh. I can imagine him being a bit of a groover as well. I can imagine the type of dancing. <laughs> do you know the twist where you're twisting the legs at the same time as your arms and it'd be kind of 60s. And I can imagine him doing the, the Pulp Fiction Eyes, <laughs> yeah. hands across his eyes. I just want this video. I just I need it in my life. Same with the what was the the one that Webby has of of Pat Craig nearly getting killed by a fan. This fan. has to surface eventually. Yeah. You know, we'll get them eventually. But uh, no, great stuff. Loved loved hearing Reuter and Dunster as well. Uh, give their account of Belgrade. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Okay, so how we felt going into the first leg, Prof? Um, well, my nerves were shot. I was very nervous. I was nervous, but we are we were apprehensive, and our general circle were all apprehensive as well, bar one or two maybe. But people were talking about who we're going to get in the next round, or who we're going to get in the group stages. This is a good team, a good good team, and they proved it. They proved it. They really did, and we were always apprehensive of them. And we had like the likes of James Law, Matt Yodell, a couple of the lads in the around the Rovers Tifty Circle. They had watched previous games, and they were saying, "Lads, these are no fucking joke. These are no mugs." So I'm not sure and once again like I think Maloney mentioned it about Bradzard saying that they they weren't as good as Slovan. Now Bradzard said they're the best team we've played so far meaning that they're better than Slovan. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So, Which at the time you might think was just maybe sort of typical manager speak building up the opposition in public. But uh Certainly, when when we found ourselves two 0 down, we were kind of thinking, ah, oh, maybe he meant it. Yeah, but it was. Uh, I was. I was. I was apprehensive, but confident of how we can play. That's that's who I always am. I always think mm. that, and even for the second leg as well. Top of that in a while, but I, I always felt that we were capable of beating them over there. Hundred percent were, but we were very very naive. We'll talk about the passages of play in that next. But we were very very naive. And very very pissed off with this performance. I have to say, there's a couple of things I'm gonna start ranting about soon. As for the the Alec Cock Arena, uh, neither of us were there last time ten years ago, so we were kind of asking people like Dan Fulham, like was the stadium the same and stuff like that. But uh, Ray William was over there. He was saying entry into the ground was not even that difficult. So you're kind of thinking, could Mo- could Mo- Roberts fans have chanced their arm? Definitely think so. Yeah, but because because the the way things have been, I know. Covid hit hard and stuff like that, but just nobody was geared up to go. Nobody was geared mm-hmm. up and ready to go because they were just like, you know, what? maybe Bowles not getting into the previous round as well mm-hmm. was was an indicator of us going, you know, fuck that, I'm not going over if I can't see the game. That's how I feel. I'm not going over if I can't see the game. It's simple. 
Plus, it was, why you travel. It was the potential of the group stages knowing that UEFA would allow fans in again. If if this was, if we thought this would be our only chance. I think more with a chance there. I think yeah. four or five went. Yeah, maybe but then so. You, then you see scenes like Hammerby fans in Basel, and there's like a large group of them ganging them, t- shirtless tugs. Yeah. But uh, like, imagine if if our journey ends here, and we had three away trips, and we weren't at any of them. That's it's gonna be hard to take. Yeah, it's a bitter pill to swallow, alright, Puff. But yeah, we say Puff, me and you, we saved the day. With the pennant, um, this this was nuts, right? This was nuts. So this pennant got posted out to one of our directors the day before the game, right? The day before they flew. Maybe the day before that. But it was really, really, really short notice, right? So this thing was in the wash. It was in the system. It was floating around. So I said, do you know what? We need we need this. We need every hoop in every on post office to help it out. So made phone calls to Dublin 12. Made phone calls to Dublin 24. Main phone calls to the DBH, the DMC, Park West. Drivers all around Dublin. Everybody. This was a cold red. It was cold red. We're looking for this thing. We had more hoops in the DMC as well. Everyone else's mail was just discarded and left on the floor. No one else gets their mail. Just looking for this pennant. So we're looking around. We're thinking, well, how are we going to get this? So we had people stationed at every little area that could potentially be with notes saying, keep this out, ring this number if you come across it. So finally, eventually... <laughs> Three in the morning, like four hours before the team flies, we find it. And we're running around celebrating, look, it's the cup going, yeah! So it was a goal, last minute goal. And we got it into the arms of, uh, or we got it on the plane anyway, so it was, uh, and these things are a work of art. This is Mr. Tommy's mm-hmm. work of art, and they're absolutely fabulous, so it was it was well worth the effort. You know, posties saved the day. They really are brilliant, like top, top class. But yeah, of course, prop the team with Grace and Idemo injured. So Hor came into the back three and Bradzer went with Borky. So our top goalscorer of all time in Europe gets a start. Yeah. Their, their player who had played in the game 10 years ago, uh, still don't know how to pronounce his name, Aliku, Aliku. He only came on like in the last minute. He's getting he's like 31 now. See, their, center, their, their captain is 37. But according to their, our, our experts last week, uh, he can he can run all day like yeah, but he certainly engine. did. Yeah, but Prof, it was the four Profs and we had a gang there. There's about forty of us, and we had the big screen set up, points of Poddle, points of Guinness, everything. It was fantastic stuff. Um, it really was. They put on a, a spread for us. It was brilliant. They were great. Yeah, and it had, is a proper little venue to watch, isn't it? Isn't it a proper little place to watch football? That was grand little venue. Yeah, big screen. Uh, plenty of hoops there. Ray Wynn and Senior came back. Uh, obviously liked it the first time we had uh, Barry and a couple of his mates we had Jay Thomas with the ultras in ultras. there with a couple of other guys so really really appreciate everybody coming down supporting the pub and our new home you could say because it's going to be mm-hmm. a big big feature with Tifties in, in the foreseeable it's going to be our live shows we're going to we're going to have the run of the place it's brilliant so yeah. big shout out to Fergal as well Rob Lavelle and Laura of course yeah, yeah good gang a good gang so Prof 1-0 unfortunately we were carved open like a fucking Sunday roast. Far too easy. And this looked like it was in slow motion, this goal. A little ball in from the left. Just split our, split our defence. And even the way it was stroked home. It was slow. It was not no pace on it. It was accurate. And it just went in. I'm thinking to myself... To be honest, this is the goal I'm least angry about. 
No, there wasn't much you could do about it, but it's, like slow motion is the thing I'm trying to get across. It did yeah. look like it was all very slow motion. This was... Well worked goal. This was done in four first touch passes. It was, it was one, two, three, four, and it was in so the back of the net. Four first touch passes? Yeah. Fucking hell. Joey... It was Joey's ball down the right, got intercepted, and then four passes later in the back of the net before we knew it. Impressive goal. Obviously, it was a shock. When it came. We just possibly a little bit naive, like I said, starting to think, oh well, they probably stood off them mm. slightly and thought, okay, well they're they're not going to cause as much damage. That was not the case, but Prof then two 0 came, and this was a suck. Now I gotta be honest, late run Richie, he lived up to his fucking name there. No run Richie, he did nothing for this goal. This fucking pissed me off. So they had the ball out wide. They they got a lot of joy out wide. So the guy on the right hand side, he's he's lurking. He ends mm. up taking the ball in and Richie is watching he his sell, man. Sells Joey a dummy. He's watching Plays his man. Plays across the box. Did you see it? I, you, were, you mentioned a few times so I watched the back Yeah, He watched his man run and score. He he's, stopped. He's miles away and he's just not really making much He came to, to a stop. I'd have got, I, I'd have, honestly, give him the hook. Get off. That's a mortal sin in football. As much as we love him we have, to, we, have to, we have to say when we feel that they didn't do well. That was a disgrace in my opinion why he stopped running. What was the issue? Was he, was he injured? Why did he stop running? I can't put my finger on it. If I if I can, if you can, come and tell me. Was he no excuse to stop running? No, it wasn't good enough, man. And Pico, Pico is also quite far away from the ball at this point. He makes a late dart to get there, but it was too late. Super finish as well, by the way. Yeah, very good finish. Stroked by, into the top. By line. Martin Miller, not a very Estonian name. Is it? No, no, certainly not. Sounds like he works in Landis. In the deli. <laughs> Down and keep a road there. <laughs> so, yeah, then we had a chance for what's scare. Yeah, so what's he? With this chance, um, what this, one was this, this again? This is the one Pro? where Berkey played him in very cleverly. And uh, their keeper saved, pushed it away from a corner. And this is the corner that we eventually scored from. Oh, yes, yes, yes. After a load of blocks and pinball in the box. This was superb from Berkey because when it came to him, I just thought to myself, the, 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 look how casual he is. Like he's so cool, calm, collected, <laughs> and he just stroked the top corner. Absolutely unbelievable finish when you think about it. Because there's so many people on the line, so ah. many bodies. The keeper's there, and he buries it in the top corner, and then cue an absolute mosh pit in the four <laughs> provinces. It turned into a mosh pit, yeah. and it doesn't help that there's a little area in front of you because you have this little square arena type seats where everybody is kind of sitting together it's brilliant for watching a match because everybody's mm. seated together you can fit loads in it runs around in like a in the three quarters of a square shape and it's got like a mosh everyone just moshed in the middle everyone's just fucking yeah it was nuts yeah the vac- vaccinated and unvaccinated field mixing together <laughs> yeah yeah creating a new variant <laughs> but uh yeah when we when we calmed down and like stopped jumping around sat down Someone, I think it was Rob, pointed out to me, the head of my Guinness, only a small amount had, had dripped. Which was actually impressive because we were all, we were banging off tables yeah, and all. Like, yeah. I don't know how it survived. Plus, we also had yeah. Barry banging off every table in the fucking building. Or Barry on the... the Between s- going to the toilet, going up to get points, he must have spilled about eight points. <laughs> Barry on the Czech beer, the, the Stara Pramen. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful beer. And that is... Uh, beautiful name. 
What a beautiful beer. Absolutely. Isn't it? It's just cool. Did you have a check out a point of that, Prof? I'll have to try. It keeps its head as well. It keeps a lovely foamy head, which is what we're going to try and go for with Green Ribbon. We might just relabel it. Just stick a fucking Green Ribbon label <laughs> on Steropramen. So that's that's Berkey's sixth European goal. I yeah. mean, the next two on the list are four. And then the next highest are three. So he has twice as many European goals as, as uh, like, third and f- or fourth and fifth on the list It'll be a long time till that record is replaced yeah. let's be honest and put it that way and did somebody tip Berkey to score on last week's show I think it was me actually uh, yeah Berkey you did yeah. prof you did but listen self praise is no praise right excuse me while I just reach over the back and just pat myself just there. give it a there scratch it there. It. But, yeah uh, so we went in to one great, time, great time to score it gave us a bit of hope you, the second we scored you looked over me and you were like mm-hmm Gar's favourite time <laughs> but when we went in I just thought to myself like these they, they were carving us open left right and said what fucking happened what happened to this team where was our defensive strength that just disappeared where where did it go you- Joey was a nightmare let's be honest he was a disaster he he looked slow and lethargic and was it the force was it the he, 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 he drew a foul for one of them as well and they were in and he got a yellow for it it was he just he looked so out of place I don't know what it was what was our issue was it our gap the gap between the central midfielders and the, the centre defenders too big was there too much going on it just it didn't work it was the way they were drawing our defenders out weren't they and they were the way they used their wingers to, to attack us down the channels attacking our back three it was clever the way they went to bed and you, yeah. you hear close and the manager later he seems to have done his homework but young guy yeah. probably analysed the fuck out of us and possibly one of the reasons that SRFCT was a downfall. The only downfall to SRFCT is probably that he, your man Berg, probably had a probably had a subscription <laughs> and watched all the games. But um, we made a bright start to the second half. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, like, right, we're we're going for it now because that's what we said. We have to go for this. Two ones not too bad. Well, we can go for it and play our own game. Let's mm. see what happens. But um, defensively, we probably, we probably missed Grace, did we? I thought that Grace been, was a massive, massive loss because. We had no real footballers in Central. There's a lot of blood and guts there with Hor, with Grace, or no, with Hor, with Pico and Joey. There's blood and guts there, you know. There's 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 toughness. Whereas Grace is a little bit more elegant. He's got he can run out from the back. He's got he's a better passer than every one of them. And I think ultimately we missed that, and possibly having a left sided centre half as well. I think we missed Grace, but at the same time, the game probably would have went the same way. I don't know with, with Grace on the pitch. That's a that's a question that like it's hard to answer. You know what I mean? But I we can't know. Yeah, I I think I I don't think so. I don't think we can see all those goals with Grace on the pitch. That's my opinion. Definitely not. So we we started well, but they they had the best chance then. Uh, fifty five minutes. Was this was Sappinen, as far as I know, who had this chance on fifty five? Because I spoke, I heard, uh, I was looking at the Estonian football podcast, and they were tweeting about it. And they said it's criminal that he doesn't score this, but the save, like when he when he broke through, I just thought to myself, right, this is done. Well, the way it started was it was a wayward ball from Scales, and again one touch was impressive, and they were away on the break. Although Pigo did have a chance to clear it, and he kind of miscontrolled it. And Sappinen, comedy of errors, though, wasn't it? Sappinen got away from him and uh, needed Al to make a big save here. It was a brilliant save. Yeah. Fucking brilliant save. Really. Like, like, this save. was power, pace, going into the 
the into the corner of the net. And he mm-hmm. just tips it around and then it really spoiled us on. Then there was like we scored a goal in the far problem, another mosh pit. Fucking it nuts. Was, it was at the same level of importance as Al's penal save at the end of Bratislava. It was that crucial moment where we were about to fall even further behind. But um so Greener had come on at this stage. Uh he did well to control a long ball, set up Berkey for a shot. Mm. But then two minutes later, the car was open again after a few one-twos. And luckily, I can't remember what player it was, but he, he blazed it over. But that was another big chance for them. It was just really frustrating to watch because I was just looking at going, who are these imposters? You know what I mean? Who are these people that we have been watching all season, all year, all these years now we've been playing and watching gel and I've never seen a defensive display like that in a long time. You use the word unrecognisable. Like, like who, who are these guys? Like That's what it was looking like. And we don't do this. We don't play like this. It was crazy. The biggest game of the season. The most important one where all you need to do is keep doing what you've been doing for months. And we blew it. We blew it. There's no other way of saying it. Well, you say we blew it. We're still somehow... We're still in, in it, but we blew that game. It's mad. We've conceded four goals in a European playoff round. And we're still in the tie. I totally believe you. I totally agree. We are in it, but we blew that game. There's no other way of going around it. It's a blip. These things happen... But I just want to know what was there something underlying under the scenes? What happened? Like, what did, was the was the prep not right? Like, it just wasn't like us. But you know what? Maybe it's maybe don't try and explain these things. Maybe it just happened. It just happened. We weren't. We had an off day. But we'll talk about the three one now. Plus, happened and this guy. I'd be looking at getting this guy now. Talking to reading on. I think someone was saying that the wages over there aren't amazing. So you'd be looking at maybe eighteen hundred a month or something like that. Sapping. Hmm. Sapping worth a punt I thought he was brilliant and at least we've seen him in the flesh Mickey Miller was good against now. us whereas Oki like we had we had no idea what he was like yeah Mickey Miller was good but this guy Sapping like he was just he, on he looked very good yeah and I think like reading on the Estonian podcasts Twitter again they were like he doesn't miss those but mm. the chance he previously missed but with this yeah. one this was the right footer Rebound finish, wasn't it? Yeah. This was a super finish. Absolute well, what was impressed, mayhem in our box. Did you see the block from Joey? Like, I, was, I was impressed with how sharply he reacted. But what even the finish was and, right con- and conversely, I was unimpressed by how slow we reacted. Like Sean Hart, you're talking about Richie's hell not moving. Sean Hart doesn't move for this. No. Um, Joey's block, fair enough, he blocks it. Well, Joey can't be blamed because he blocks yeah. it and then he's on the ground. Yeah. So it's left to Pico and Hart to kind of chase in but then the shot right the shot when you watch it in slow motion and you watch Manus he's in total control of where he palms this yeah you know I'm not shitting on him but if, you, if we're talking about slow motion and we watch it back again he totally palms it like, I was watching it back again today just because I saw a few people being critical of Al for a couple of goals could he have done and better this one yeah I think so you know what I mean like it yeah. did look, it looked soft enough but like the way your man stepped up and finished it was a fucking brilliant finish. It's a real poacher's goal. Really good was, poacher's goal. I yeah. really enjoyed not enjoyed it, but it was a good goal. You can appreciate that. And then we just thought to ourselves, this is bollocks. Absolute bollocks. So that was 76 minutes. And then 79, Prof, it was a very, very smart move by Rovers and Danny who came on with a left foot and totally, totally wrong foot the keeper and hit the bottom of the, foot, the, bottom of the post and then went wide. So really unfortunate with that and Danny's a great sub to have, great player to bring on because players don't know what they're going to get with him. You really don't know what's coming at you. Yeah, that was a very nice passing move. 
and uh, just came off the outside of the post. Keeper ruled to the spot. No chance. Real, totally ruled. And uh, I mean, we did play some good stuff at times in this game. Like it was end to end. It was a brilliant game. Let's we, be honest. We played some like on the ball. We were we were decent. But yeah, there was a couple of times that where we would make we would be coming towards their the opposition's half, and it would just break down because of a stupid rubbish pass. Mm. And you'd just be thinking to yourself, what is going on? Like, And then they'd go on and they'd have a good chance and we'd have to react to it. And then we'd try and go back again and we just couldn't put passes together at times. And you're just thinking, this is so frustrating. They're bombarding us and we can't fucking put a pass together. There was a period of time in the second half when that was the case. But, Prof, 86 minutes, mosh pit time, scales with a very, very sneaky header at the back post and just looping in there and... Um, Q mayhem in the four provinces again. That's four goals by Scales, and all four have been excellent. Really, really smart header. He's yeah. just an intelligent player, isn't There's he? There's a Berkey cross, and he's a lot to do here from a difficult angle. And he somehow gets on the end of this, heads it back across the other way, across the goal, loops it over the keeper. Great header. At one stage, I kind of fell because there was so much going on in the four provinces. And then I could, like, I was just sitting there, and someone got a hold of the fleece. The Tifty's fleece was wearing, and I just started moving backwards. So someone was just pulling me, pulling me around the floor, like a little rag doll, and they were just running around, celebrating with me as if I was like the little child. I'm just getting dragged around. So you can imagine me getting pulled around, just going, yes, like I'm getting dragged around. I don't know who it was. But Here's the quirky stuff for you. Only Graham Burke and Liam Scales have scored for Rovers in three different competitions this season. Ooh, prof. There you go. No one else, not Tell, not, not Mandroyu, not Watts, just Burke and Scales. Yeah, so we move on to Mickey Miller on 87 minutes. And prof, this was the final nail in the coffin. Well, we won't say that yet. Of the game itself, the final, not the toy, but... Yeah, from the joy of what you just described there in the pub to... Literally seconds later. Barely 60 seconds I had just later. sat down, right? We were still celebrating the goal mentally. And I'm watching your man square it. To Mickey Miller and like what what a finish and fairness what, why had he got the freedom of talent where where the like when have you ever seen that with us playing like that a player with that much freedom on the edge of a box well, when what well, made my heart sink was when the ball's played across and you look at the you look at the the frame when the ball comes to him there is no Rovers player in there because they've all committed at that stage he had no one from the penalty spot yeah. from where he struck that ball. Nobody is there. We did have like four or five players in the around the penalty spot. Yeah. Like I said, they had committed. But um, is this the worst goal of the four? I it was. It was the biggest sickener because it was so. All we had to do was just regroup and just get our, get ourselves together and say, do you know what, three two is a good scoreline to bring home. We can do this. And then that was just a what sickener. I, what I will say is, we'll talk about later the online reaction. Like there's a lot of armchair managers out there who are talking about how you have to obviously yeah we should have closed out the game at 3-2 but this was literally the restart they got the ball and never gave up the ball so you can't how do you tactically respond to that when there's no time I think Chris McCann was coming on ready to come on as a sub we didn't get to make the change we didn't get to make the change and do you know what annoyed me as well was the fact that like well, there's a lot of individual performance that weren't great and we weren't totally totally terrible like I mean we did play some good football like you said but it's just the manner of the goals just really really annoyed me schoolboy stuff 
They were all all four were avoidable. Like when they They're went in, you're just errors. like, oh, yeah. You know, you could have done something about that. Do you know what I mean? And and for this one, we should actually, I'm 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 suggesting that there's not much we could do about tactically about that goal. But should scales have taken the yellow there? It was it was a horror scales. I think it was scales. Uh, either way, I I'd have took the yellow because think, he's yeah. he's in and he's outside the box. Take it. Take it down, like the dark arts. I think he should have. We're well-schooled in that. Should have took him down. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe like, he was going to miss the second leg on the second yet. I'm not sure if he was on I'd one. But, that, uh, I'd rather that than going a goal down, an extra goal down. But, uh, God, this was a killer. Like, you, all our... Because we had built up to that goal, that three that scales header for 3-2. We had, like, we had worked our way up to that goal to pull it back. And then we undid all our hard work. In 60 seconds. So it was demoralised. Very, very, very frustrating. But even even in, like at a time, like we just, uh, we didn't really look like doing much in at a time either. Mm. They were even attacking in at a time. So mm. it was just very frustrating. So It's been suggested to me, I don't always agree with the sort of logic, but that it doesn't change much in that we still always needed two goals in Tala. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And what I will say is that I... I firmly believe that we're totally, totally capable of scoring, scoring twice at home against this team. Absolutely, and yeah. If we get the second, I will bet every penny I have that we will get a third. If we manage to get two goals mm-hmm. in this game before seventy minutes, we will one hundred percent go through this tie. If we, if we're two 0 up after ninety minutes, and it goes into extra time, even the sound of this imaginary game. It sounds like we had the momentum. It sounds like we're the only team is going to get the third is us. I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm just this is just how I feel. It's just something in you. You know, I got it. I got it when mm. I felt like we were going to beat Pats, beat them. You know, it's a prof hunch. It's a prof hunch I have here. But can you see a clean sheet? Mm. I. It depends on what team shows up. If Rovers, who we've been watching all season, I can definitely mm. see a clean sheet. But I don't think that's going to happen. So unfortunately, um. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say about to score. Put your fucking money on. Put your money. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a BDS job. Put your money on that. I'm actually more interested in what what they'll do. Will they just look to get the the next goal, which probably will be the clincher? They can afford to try mm. and attack us. That's the thing. Mm. They can afford to go out and play their own game because they're two up already. You're saying, you're saying their manager is watching the stream, right? If he's if he's watching the stream, and he watched the Drogheda and Langford games, who both kept us to one goal by tucking in, could he watch that and think we can keep Rovers to one goal? Very valid point, yeah. And but he will have watched us tear teams apart like Pats, and he'll have watched some of our better performances. And if he has done his homework, he'll say, "Oh, there's no way I'm going to sit back and let this team attack us because mm. they're capable of breaking us down." Depends. It's two sides. It depends. That's his decision yeah. that he's gonna have to make now. If Play our own the- game and afford, and, and possibly let in a couple of goals and score some, or sit back and do a long for it. If you watch the Slovan game, you should be very concerned at what this team can do, especially when we're up against them. Yeah. The odds are against us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's what he will ultimately look at as well. He'd be watching those European games, thinking, "Okay, guys, these guys are good, and they can score when they want." So. Um, the stats prop 55% to 45 in our favour 5 shots on goal to their 7 we had 9 corners to the 4 so overall it was a very entertaining game um, online reaction kind of 
I think a lot of people were giving out that Horror was getting hammered and Joey didn't and like yeah Horror was being like, picked on we like to discuss these games and dissect them and criticise if needed we don't want to abuse I think there's a line between criticism between fans and dissecting performances and then abusing do you know what I mean so I think that's where the line was possibly crossed with a couple of instances yeah I don't, I don't agree on picking any particular defender in this game I think our whole defence was poor I can't yeah no, I didn't either I just thought to myself oh, as an overall as a unit I just thought we were really really poor so frustrating to watch yeah I stayed well away from Robert Shatt after this one just <laughs> I know we were bad so I'm sure a lot of the comments are valid but for my own mental health I'm just yeah. not, not same with, sitting same through with that same with Twitter as well Prof we just ran a mile didn't we the only media I saw on Facebook even that night and all week since has been on the night someone showed me a post by Mitzi and it just said it's only half time and I had one like and it was like. and it was by Jade Thomas, so I just looked over my shoulder at Jade Thomas. <laughs> okay, <laughs> one like. Mitz, yeah, I probably liked it myself as well. Sit behind us. So yeah, Brazzer said this: we're definitely well capable of winning the tie. There's no doubt about that. We've had this against Slovan Braslav. It's half time. We're two down. We know what we need to do to win the tie. We've been here before. So it's uh, them fighting words, prof. Mm-hmm. It's a fight and it's a fight now. We're in a scrap. So it's a, it's it's one on one prof. We're well able. And Florida manager Jorgen Hen said the fourth goal from Miller was especially important. Definitely gave us the confirmation of what we had seen that the opponent is vulnerable. Even before the game, we analysed and felt that they were scattered at counter attacks. And from these we created quite a few opportunities. Asked if he was surprised by how open the game was and the number of chances the side created, he said on the one hand it was, but on the other we had analysed and seen a style of play. I like this guy. That's actually quite comprehensive. That we were quite scared, and they did hit us. That's yeah. exactly how they hit us. He he did his homework. I don't know how I don't know how scattered we would have been in the tapes of other games we watched, considering we've been very tight at the back for the last month or so. But we were all over the shop in this game mm. for sure. So I'm not sure about his definition of scattered, but um, they pressed us so high, didn't they? And they were lethal on the break. They were so clinical. Right. Did, we clinical make, did we make them look better than the air though? That's the que- that's the that's the debate now, right? Did we make them look good or were they good? On the ball though, I thought they reminded me of AIK and that sort of l- level. They could play ball and they were mm. well capable, but on our day we don't concede three of those goals. Do you know what I mean? Maybe the first. But on our day, on our good day, we don't. We were totally to blame, I think, defensively. <laughs> thought we were naive thought we were amateurish and that's just how it played out normally we wouldn't concede like that and I, we possibly gave them a little bit of a compliment into how they looked but we still didn't defend it and they still had to finish and, and finish off the job and they were clinical so you have to yeah. give them some sort of praise they were clinical that Dan Fulham made an interesting point I've never heard anybody say this before but a downside of the champions route is that you're always going to be playing champions of countries who are used to winning week mm. in, week out. Think about that. We've been playing in the Europa League for six years now. So aside from AC Milan, obviously, every team we've played over the years have been, they won their cup. These teams know or, how to win. Or they came third. Yeah. Yeah. These teams know how to win, yeah. You're dead right. Are you surprised that Cavo wasn't involved? 
First um, of all, he didn't start, and not even introduced as a sub. I think I think this up with Cavo, and I won't be playing him. I'm going to go on to Arsenal and Levens and pictures of the wall. I won't be playing him. I think this week, mm-hmm. I think it's too much of a risk to play a player who has no real match practice in the last while. But he played 90 minutes against Derry, and he seemed grand <sighs> even up in the latter stages. I don't know, man. Something's not right. But I'm going to switch it up totally this week. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we need to. I think we need a bit more fight. I think we need a bit more in their faceness. If that in their faceness does that make sense? <laughs> I think we need to get stuck in. Do you know what I mean? Really, really stuck in and get in mm. their face, dark arts. But yeah, so uh, we we'll move on from that. Pro- I, I, disappointing I, night overall. Great night in the pub, but disappointing night overall. I have other excuses though, if you want to hear them. Um, I blame the jersey. Right. And also, we don't play well on the teddy. The teddy thing is totally what I picked up on. I was like, <laughs> this is on the telly. Fuck. Yeah. Can we stream it, please? Yeah. Well, Prof, you, you have stats for us, Prof. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats <laughs> Yeah, a few stats. Uh, we'll start with a random one. Uh, Flora Town's <coughs> official Twitter account. I think they only started it recently. Because I remember I was looking for someone to interview. And I couldn't find the official Twitter account. I remember, I remember somebody asking, or somebody saying, it's a shame they don't have one. So they must have only launched this a few weeks ago. But they only have 122 followers. So the documentary, Take Me Home, has more followers than the biggest club in Estonia. Yeah, I actually noticed that. Because when I was Googling <laughs> them, I was like, they don't exist. So yeah. Then I was like, this is a fan account or something. Like It can't be them. <laughs> yeah, Kane, Kane was fascinated by that one now. Uh... Steve Seary points this one out. Flora had never scored four goals in one European match before. Now think about how many minnows they've played since 1994 when they first played in Europe. Never got four. That's a good show. It's a tough one to take it's, on the gym. It's, it's a remarkable. Uh, we hadn't conceded more than three goals since we lost five to Hilton's and Dock in 2018. Oh, I remember that. That was sick. Um... If you look at our, our um, UEFA club rankings, these are up-to-date ones now. Uh, we're 154th, all right? Flora are actually ahead of us. They're 15 places ahead of us. But look who we're ahead of in the, in the rankings. We're ahead of St. Johnson, Hibs, Ruben Kazan, and AIK. And if you go back to 2017, we were 334th. We've gone from 334th to 154th. That's huge. In four years. That's nuts, man. That's sunrise, isn't it? Else, isn't it? <coughs> so we hadn't conceded four goals in a European match since uh, Spurs and Tata. That was a 4 0. And. Jeez, when you say it like that, Sport can only score four against us and then this crowd knocked four passes. Well, I've got two against us and he's scored four. And this is the one you'll, you'll hate before. In fairness, McDara said it first, right? I'm just called McDara, so you can blame him. History is against us because no League of Ireland side has ever come back from a 2 0 first leg deficit. Fucking good. And gone through on the tie. It's good. Almonds are good, prop. I mentioned that in my article, which I showed you earlier. Uh, Robbers are the closest team to ever do it. It was Aldi Spar in 1998. We lost 3-1 away in the first leg. And lost 3-1 away and then we won 3-1 at home. Took it extra time. But then the Turks scored again and we lost an aggregate. Mm. 
that no other team has even gotten the extra time. That's the only instance. So we have to make history here. Right, so what we need to do now is any of those in the hospitality sector or industry, Philly Maguire out there, anyone else, can you please tell us where Flora are staying? We're going to get the band back together, Prof. <laughs> I'm going to get the jam, I'm going to get the saxophone out, Prof's going to get the drums, we're going to go down and get the brass band out, played them a few tunes at four in the morning. Actually, Spar did that. To did Rose? someone say that in an interview? Something sure, happened. Pretty something. sure somebody said, I was reading that. That the Aldi Spar fans kept the Rovers players awake <laughs> the night before. I, th- I think there might have been a bit of alcohol involved. That maybe they were on the piss with them. <laughs> might have been Jason Caldwell, actually, I think he said it. So, Prof, that's your stats anyway. That's my stats. And we've got the results here now. I have to laugh here, right? Because <laughs> the war- it says Waterford won, Longford won here. And in brackets, it says don't. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, don't? Little bitty, little bitty, that wibbly wobbly. Like I said, we don't have time for this. This show is going to be three hours yeah, long at this stage. I like the message from Glenn Dunn. He says, I thought it was really over the top and exaggerated. Then I heard him talk. I was like, no, it's actually accurate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. James always sent me a picture of him, like, him and his dad are in the Peaky Blinders. It's official. Two of them have the hats on. They're looking oh. fucking dapper. I just, that whole interview, I just stared at the hat. I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, we done talk losing the derby at home and dropped a win at 2-1 and condolences um, to the family of the poor guy who passed away the poor coach so some great scenes with Gary Deegan at the end possibly emotionally inspired him to that win yeah yeah, definitely yeah. very very sad so our condolences to the family and we've harps 3-1 with a Tunde Owalabi hat-trick and Tunde Owalabi is a FC United legend he scored 28 and 28 if your Wikipedia is out to go boy and this guy from Pat's fan that I know my pal in work he was up there he said this fella was fucking on fire <laughs> he said he was on fire and he said he was fucking brilliant really 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 good striker so Brad's are we know he listens so just listen up to that me and me I think that's three wins in a row for Harbs isn't it yeah that's, they're, they're, they're so all over the shop they went one period just being terrible remember it was like five games mm-hmm. they were rubbish and then he pulled this out again well, you're, you're giving me uh, Mark Birchman analysis. Here's some uh, Ollie Horgan analysis, right, from that game, who says that, <laughs> he says, the second goal took the sting out of them. I love the way he does that. <laughs> That's some story with the sting. <laughs> the Where, what is that? Sting where, is that na- where is that native to? What county or area is that native to, if anybody knows? Where is that most <laughs> dominant, that little bit of shh? I've never, I'm sure I have, but, I can't think of anyone on, on TV or Anton or any other manager who really goes like a full SH like that. It's gas. But uh, do you remember everyone saying, I know, I know Drogheda got the win there. Uh, over They got win the loud derby there. But remember everyone at the start of the season was saying, Tim Clancy, manager of the year. And we're only like about 12 games into the season. And I had already given him the award. But me and you, when we hear that, we just go... Fucking dope. Look how long mm. is left. Manager of the quarter. Manager of the series. There is a lot of games left. This happens all the time with newly promoted clubs. As soon as... Remember, they think they'd won five in a row. I remember I bet against them in the last man standing. Derry went to one there. Because I just thought... Everyone's singing their praises. They're going to lose this week now. Yeah, yeah. I think they've been on a terrible run since then, possibly. But, uh, yeah. Drogheda. 
and harps, everyone had doomed them to a relegation place. Uh, harps are four points behind Drada with a game in hand. And tell me this, who are Drada behind? They're behind the team who will finish fourth and no higher, <laughs> Derry City. Just creeping up there, prop three points off tour, just thought I'd tell you. But you seem to think that they changed manager <laughs> and they won't get anywhere underneath. Listen, if they finish third at Bowles or Dundalk Spence, I will gladly be proved wrong on that yeah, one. Well, glad. Well, I want you to eat your hat if it happens. So yes, Pat signed Jack Hickman, prop a defender for Bowles, 18 years of age. And here comes... The cri- here comes the criticism for me, right? You have Pats who I, like I said, a couple of Pats fans I know who would actively hammer our Roadstone project and say theirs is better, theirs more creative. They just signed two 18-year-olds. How does that? How does their 18-year-old striker in the 19s feel? He's going to be sitting there going, they just signed an 18-year-old from Bolton. What am I going to do? They've called Robinson out on loan at Wexford. Scoring, he's seen nine goals a season, apparently he wants to stay there. So, if Pats ring him, how are you? Do you want to come and start for St. Pats? No, I'm going to stay here in Wexford. Don't give me that shit. Well, Listen. Pat, Pats have made a few signs, haven't they? They obviously recognised that their squad was light. Yeah, yeah. And they had won the week before to go level on points with us. So, you're some people are thinking, okay... This is a credible title challenge. And then they go to Harps and get beaten. Yeah, it's great. Really was a good weekend of results for us in the league. That's for sure. Still, nobody's talking about Dundalk. Like, uh, like You're hating this. You're oh. hating the lack of coverage that this is this is getting. Uh, it should be getting plastered everywhere. I've only listened to one podcast. The highest budget. Like, let's week, talk about budgets. The highest budget in the league. And two, there's two there's, or three times. the relegation playoff. Two or three times probably our wage bill. And the t- it's almost as if they're talking about them, oh, they should be higher up the table. They're bleeding second last. Mm. Unbelievable stuff. Bro. Like, people like to throw Stephen Kenny 2012 in our faces. As in, it was, you know, Rovers' fault or something. At least Kenny was in the top four. Yeah. With the biggest budget in the league. It's fucking brutal. They really are. What they were they really expecting? Are. They tried to moneyball the league. Moneyball? We said from the start those signings would not jail. And still all the podcast experts, every, every single one of them, they're top three. They said Rovers, Bowles, Dundalk. What about, what about Mike Tracy? Can we, we get a big shout out for Mike Tracy? Oh, that and, was brilliant. And, and his, his yeah. prediction. Idiot. But yeah, we move on. Sligo, losing two and a half to Derry. Derry creeping up there. Prof getting into towards Sligo losing. They're on a terrible, <laughs> terrible run. Am I right? And they've lost many in the row. Seven? Seven. Seven games in a row. That yep. is, that's sack wordy like. His book out of force to get the sack. Well, considering um, we had the dirty manager. Nah, he always he always turns that round. Yeah, he's, yeah, he does. Yeah. His career is checkered with this sort of like great runs and some bad runs and stuff. But yeah, he always turns around. We had a big love in on Twitter as well. Prof Paul Doolan is the new manager of Lawn. At Lawn, hmm. um, why hasn't he managed? I want to know that. Why hasn't he managed for that long? There's an issue. There has to be. That's a strange one. It's a very strange one. He was just sore at Celtic. Like, he wasn't even a Lancer senior. Like, fair enough, he might have a job. But no. Is he blacklisted? Anyone out there going to gonna, gonna uh, give us some info, some dirt on this? Why hasn't he managed in so long? He must be the most, aside from probably Brian Kerr, must be the most high-profile Irish manager who I have never seen manage. Like, I'm still relatively new to the league. I've only kind of started taking an interest in about 2008 or so. Like I've I have no memory of Doolan being a manager. 
and we're now in 2021. Exactly, same as me. I can't call. I can't tell you how his team play. You know what I mean? I don't know how they play. And he's yeah. like he's getting a lot of praise on Twitter, but I don't know. Apparently, his football is dull now. His, his draft title winning team was considered to be kind of dour, but uh, they were they were winners, obviously. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how they get on now because local lad Carby was given the boot, so um, it's a bit mm. of a shambles on the board up there. Apparently, we move on anyway, Prof. To no Friday. I mean, if this week uh, they can get out of club. I was yeah. waiting for it and I'm up to date and all I'm up to date but here's my challenge for Dale Dale has to write Christmas number one and get it into the charts and it has to be original and it has to it has to do other things but get he's, that this is no the, pressure there he has to write you have to climb Mount Everest as well Christmas number one right that's what he wants and it has to be about the League of Ireland so the League of Ireland as a whole he has to write that song Christmas number one there we go there's a challenge did you hear I don't know was it Wexford or, or Treaty fans one of them were actually singing the song he made up yeah and then he fell down the steps yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the players were even singing it to him as well to, to kind of wind him up uh, yeah it's very good but very yeah good. now I had the same experience I was in work Thursday looking forward to my Friday I'm in Louis Fix not there check Spotify not there then I checked out Twitter and I, I read that it was all Dale's fault yeah so like you say get out of the club even though you haven't got a club yet, yeah. choose a club. <laughs> then whatever club that is, get out of that club. <laughs> but we've Dale, Dale is slowly, we're going to announce him soon. We're going to push him over yeah. the line here. That, that ruined my Thursday because I had to listen to Johnny Ward then. Yeah, yeah. He's, apparently he gave us a few digs, am I right? Did he give us a couple of digs? I'm only messing, I actually like Johnny. <laughs> he, 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 he entertains me. He does. He's uh, yeah. it's the... The Tweedle D Tweedle W, you know the. Yeah. I like the dynamic. There was, there was there. a bit of needle actually with uh, Sean Boyd. Did you hear that? Go on. Uh, because Sean Boyd brought up the article that Johnny Ward wrote at the start of 2018. Remember we came back from the preseason. Johnny went in guns blazing. Oh yeah. Remember we came back from the preseason tour in Portugal. Yes. And Johnny wrote this article about how Raw was a very ill, ill-disciplined. Because we had something like 10 cars the, the year before. Okay. I remember Shaws, he got sent off in Portugal for, what was it, an elbow or something. So he wrote this whole article. I remember the second paragraph and all, just randomly mentioned. And they, and they won the, the League Cup semi-final. And the fans celebrated like they won the World Cup. Like, it was it was just an over-the-top sort of And what did Sean say? He didn't mention that World Cup part. He just mentioned the article. And he said, oh yeah, your face was in the dressing room with a dartboard for a while after that article. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so I got a bit tense there after that. But uh, now Boydie was good. Um, Honest, good lad, friend of the show. His relationship with Joey O'Brien is just hysterical. Oh, yeah. He just listens to Joey about everything. He just wants his voice on everything, football, non-football. And uh, after after his, I think it was his last most recent serious injury he um, he had a lad's holiday planned <clears throat> and then he got the he got the serious injury to his leg wasn't it yeah and but then he, he still wanted to go away and his ma was saying like no you can't go away like you're on, you're on crutches and you're in bits and all and Lukey Byrne was saying no no you can't no no don't go away and, and he said I'll tell Joey I'll tell Joey to not let you go away <laughs> then you won't go and then he actually rang Joe he said you have to tell him you have to tell Sean Boyd he can't go and and Joey was like 
Should the damage is done now? Yeah. Let him go have his fun. This is the recuperation part. And then Boyd used that in his argument with his ma. He said, <laughs> But Joey! Listen, Joey said I could go. And she said, Yeah, okay. Joey said <laughs> Joey you could go. got his way. <laughs> that was very funny. Brilliant. Uh, prof, moving on to the Meltdown Club. Bows are now letting non members in today, Mount, for the Cup game on Sunday based on alphabetical order. So you have 20 year members mm-hmm. not getting a ticket for the biggest Cup game. Years since well since last year the year before yeah and season ticket holders who were there a wet day Cornelius McBeardy Cornelius <laughs> McBeardy with his Guatemalan oatmeal granola fucking Sasquatch cake looking after the bees the bees <laughs> <laughs> they have bees behind the goal they're actually they're, as we speak there are bees behind the goal of Danny Mount. So what happens if the bees sting a keeper? <laughs> is this this is a very realistic thing? Bees could a has a has a player been attacked by a a, a wasp or a, like a what do you call them? A, what do you call a collective of bees? I can't think. The fuck a swarm, a swarm, a swarm. I was gonna say a gaggle, a gaggle of bees, a, a swarm of bees. Is James Talbot not concerned about this? I would. I'd be like. You're kind of just moving away from the goal. It's like it's Talbot's off his line all the time. It's because there's a fucking swarm of bees behind the goal. Oh, man. They just make me laugh. Uh, Junior Hoop Zuma, Brad's are went down very well. And Jaden just happened to ask him about mm. midfielders who don't track back. That wasn't planted at all. Didn't say it to him. He that on his own, did he? Just taught him. He said, Jaden, listen, you know. Fucking ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, Siobhan's permanent TSB ad that you mentioned last week. Yeah, she's officially an enemy. Officially an enemy. A or B till I die. I'm happy because finally my bank is represented by hoops. Oh, is that right? Is it? Well, they're all gangsters anyway. You should probably just keep it under the mattress. I'll go it on post. Woohoo. So yeah, great stuff with the junior hoops. Again, once again, very, very active online lately and some some great stuff. Um, fair play to them. Uh, Glenmore Rovers are top of the league and they're winning 4-2 and I don't think they're going to make it to Christmas if they keep winning games. Because the session is almighty. I don't think they're going to get to Christmas. Because they, they, I think they celebrate this like they won the fucking league. Based on that video by Barry at four in the morning, they enjoyed themselves. Yeah, they enjoyed so it was good, great to have them winning games and starting yeah. off with a clean sheet, considering they're getting absolutely bounced around in the preseason. So great start to the league. And uh, Ricky Buff, friend of the show, capping off the win with the number four. And I think we call it Siri getting in on the act as well. A couple of other. Is everyone a hoop? Is everyone a hoop? Anyone going to tell me that? There's a couple of names I didn't know. Obviously, we don't know every fan, but big shout out to all the goal scorers. Tommy Kelly in goal, keeping nets. Great stuff. They have a new French player on the way out here. They have a French player on the way, Tommy Kelly. So, lads, just so you know, if we're going to give out Tommy Kelly's number at the end of the show. If you know anybody, any foreign imports or any of these young players who want to have a trial, give them Tommy Kelly's number. He loves it. He loves it. <laughs> entertaining these people who want to move over and just live with him as well and play for Glenmalore well they want to play for Sharon Grover make sure you mention he's a head scout for Rovers though <laughs> head scout for Rovers doesn't say which Rovers he's a head scout for Sharon Grover when does it dawn on these players like that if they come over and sign for Glenmalore Rovers when they're playing in Walkinstown like, this know. is not technically That's Sharon Grover's development league and they'll be like but mm. these guys are 40 <laughs> uh, possibly <laughs> We um yeah so three games prof 
three clean sheets for Big Gav now and he is still pulling off saves World he's, he's still knocking them out of park he's been brilliant and he mm. is I, I, do you know what? what what's a bet you could do for him to play for City and like what in the next five years maybe or be, be their number one I don't know how you go about getting that bet but it's definitely a bet worth looking at is for him to make some certain amount League of debut, maybe. League debut in the next year or two maybe League debut by the end of 2022 maybe End of the 22-23 season. Yeah, that sounds like a good bet. I'd definitely be all over that. That's the Tifty's tip for the week. And there's the cat trying to slut. Look, look, look. Tail up. Just imagining what I'd look like bleed now. There's a closed door between us. And yeah. a tiny feline creature has frightened Gary. Yeah, the thing just keeps looking at me when I'm coming <clears> in. And it's just looking at me going, I'll get you one day. <laughs> Wait till he leaves the room. and get you. So yes, we have Jack Bourneprof. He could leave Applewell Nicosia before the close of the European transfer window next week and just nine months into his two-and-a-half-year contract, writes Dan McDonald. A short-term move to the UK is a possible option for the Dubliner, depending on the outcome of negotiations with Applewell, who want to cut higher earners from the wage bill as they missed out on European football this season. So the long-term plan for the 25-year-old is likely to involve a relocation to the MLS in 2022 with an expansion club, Charlotte FC, keen on the Ireland International. Charlotte assistant Chris... Um, Christian Latanzo worked with Bourne when he's coming through the ranks at Man City so there you go that's the link there that's the link there there's always a link um, from what I'm hearing we we're not getting him back that's, that's being honest he's too many options elsewhere um, ultimately mm. at the time this was a good move we all thought it was there's a couple of people laughing now unfortunately because they, they felt like they were they were proved right but I think the club was probably a little bit unstable. We knew it was a mad club going in. Yeah, it was a bit unstable. How many managers had they churned through? Yeah, like I mean, the gaffer that signed your goals after how long? How long? It was two weeks, maybe. Yeah. So it was rough on him, but we take him back any day of the week. But we were thinking he would stay in the continent, though. We were thinking like, because he got he got the injury, didn't he? Mm. We were thinking he would put in a few impressive performances, catch the eye of another league of similar standing, yeah, and then move there. After maybe a year, mm-hmm. but he hasn't really got the chance. No, it's unfortunate, really. But, but uh, if he ends up at the MLS, could suit him. I watched mm-hmm. a bit of MLS lately. I love it. I love that stadium. That um, who was it? Florida. What's the team with the purple? I can't remember. I'm always I'm brutal with this. But either way, it's, it's the the MLS has come on leaps and bounds in such a small amount of time. With forty forty thousand fans at each game, all have big infrastructure. It's fucking unbelievable. I'd never heard of Charlotte now. No, neither have I. I think the boy just knew. They'll be new, but they'll have 10, 12,000 fans every every week. Like It's nuts. Mm. So the Harps was prof. We are booked up. Just about a couple of spaces, a couple of pro- provisional spaces left. If you're interested in going up the Harps, we are leaving for the four provs toward of September. So we're leaving from the four provs in Crumlin. Prof thinks it's Kimmage. Uh, we're going to go 12 o'clock meeting up there. Points, half two, we're leaving. We're going to get up there for maybe six or seven. Depends on the pit stops. You know yourself with these away trips. So if you're interested, let me know. Get in touch. And I'll let you know if there's any spots left. There is a couple of provisional ones. It's over 18s, unfortunately. Is but no, even- unfortunately, that sounds awful. That sounds <laughs> terrible. Sirens. <laughs> Sirens everywhere. Sirens everywhere. Uh, it's over 18s. It's so, um, is anyone hardcore enough to be drinking in that pub at half 11 for a 7.45 kickoff? A couple of quick sherries. Well, I just have to happen to go in at that time and sort out the place for you. So I might have to ha- pull a couple of sherries for myself. But it's going to be a long day as usual. And I'm um, going to have to change my drinking tactics for this stuff because I've been drinking Guinness 
for the entire lockdown. And now you're going to be on the bus. Yeah. You could do what I did before. I got the cooler with the ice water. Ice water, cooler, cans, glass. Pour them in and it's just as good. Ooh. Just as good, but you got to invest in a cooler. And it's probably the best thing I've ever bought myself. I'll bring it to every away day. It's, if it could tell stories, like be brilliant. So, yeah, check that out. I'll be going for... What will I be bringing, Prof? Ooh, I was up I was up north. I was in Belfast. And I took a little trip down. I think I'll be going for Grolsch. Grolsch has been... Or maybe some Star Pramans. Depends on your day, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, Barry has piqued my interest now in the, in the Star Pram. Mm, there we go. So, yeah, that's the hardest Oh, by the bus. way, the bogey bus, for the record, still undefeated. Let's not forget that. Oh, prof. Am I going into a Harps, a team that are on form as well? So Even throughout Cobwood, in which we ran no buses, still, still undefeated. undefeated. Yeah. As long as this run stretched back to the start of 2019. 2019 Harps was the first time we actually ran the bus. Yeah. So there we go. We're going full circle, hopefully. <laughs> uh, Robbie Brady, rumours, Prof. Um, from what I heard, uh, someone's cousin's granda who cuts their grass and then they get the paper for that person. And then the person who gets that paper overheard it in the bathroom stall that Robbie Brady signed for Robert. But he was in Tyler for a game recently, so it's not complete nonsense. I'd take him at the... He'd, he'd, be, he'd just slot into the Jack Bourne roll. That's what I'd be doing. Get in there, you... But it's not to mention the papers, though. That's the weird thing. Yeah, normally, when these things happen, I doubt that. I a doubt journal that. has I, it in the paper. Yeah, like he's a fucking, he's, he's a superb player. I don't know. We'll see what happens anyway. Underage results: Prof Roadstone Project. The under was under 19s beat Finhouse three one. The women, they lost three two away to Donegal, and that well, is must have been. A, I don't know if it was a, a break week or maybe a game was postponed or something. But that's all there was. Uh, Dara McGuinness scored for the Ireland under 18s in Budapest for Lovely. Ireland. Excellent stuff. Yep. Great, great to hear. Great to hear. Uh, so that is it. Yeah, not, not much there. But this now up, we have a tear jerker coming up, Prof. And uh, this, this is this is brilliant. Can we just listen to the professional radio edit that was sent in as well? You've and I love the fact that can't Rennie, even explain this. I love the fact that Rennie has had so many people infatuated with the word cunt. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's. He seems to have brought the word over to Germany with him. And Brilliant. They appreciate it. It's such an entertaining memoriam, and I shouldn't should you say that you should be crying, but I, I just had a smile on my face for the whole way. We so. decided to make his all cry heading into the biggest game in Thailand history for some reason. There we go. Yeah. So the Rennie tribute. Yeah, so we have starting with Albert White, then we've Dunster, Carl Seal, Hugh O'Connor, his German friend Jörg Streller, we've Klaus Thaler, Monster, and then John Bourne, Jonathan Roach, and finally his son Figre. So, um, a plethora of people from all walks of life. We've got radio personalities, TV personalities, the famous John Bourne, Roachy the chairman. So, this is the tribute. I got to know Rennie probably around 2005 when I started to get involved with the Ultras and Mihal was usually in the ground early as well getting the video camera set up uh, and I, posting match highlights is probably what most people will know him from. Uh, Rennie would go home after a game, burn the DVD for the manager and get the highlight reel ready for the fans and quite often post it later on that night. Something that caused problems with RTE uh, occasionally is um, you know, they'd insist that no footage would go out before their highlights programme had aired. 
Uh, but getting that footage out to fans was important. As, you know, the game might be on a Thursday night, say, and RTE mightn't show have a have a highlights program till Sunday evening, uh, and the goals would rarely feature on the news. Um, so in cases like that, yeah, the highlights mysteriously found their way onto the ultras forum. Uh, but RTE also had to keep on his good side, as quite often they wouldn't have somebody covering a match. Or, you know, they'd be changing a tape when the goal went in. So, you know, they'd, they'd need to ask Hall for the footage. So I think there was an interesting relationship there with the RTE Sports Department at times. Once more people got involved with SRFC TV, Rennie decided we should do live streaming. Um, now, this was good nearly 15 years ago uh, and we started doing this there was there was one website that let you do it and you needed you know cameras and mics all connected into laptops and special software and that but we got what was needed and you know a page you go internet dongle and just started streaming matches we, we just turned up at grounds and started doing it never asked for permission um now it was a bit of a logistical nightmare as people listening might remember uh, getting everything to work was tricky at the best of times and in some press boxes and gantries was damn near impossible but that kind of added to the fun of it, you know, both for us and for those listening in. You know, I, I'd do the video, you know, when we could get it to work and, and the tech stuff and just left Rennie to do the commentary. I think people think, you know, commentary is easy. You just sit there as you would at a normal game. But I, I found it very difficult to do. Try to keep something interesting for 90 minutes for people who are just relying on your voice, getting across the flow of the game, the emotion of the game. You know, it's not just who's passing to who. It's a hard thing to do. Uh, but Rennie was one of the few people... It really seemed gifted at doing this. Now, it probably helped that he didn't have much of a filter on his thoughts, uh, but he was also a great storyteller. Um, so if a referee got a, got a wrong decision, you'd know about it, you know, in detail. Uh, actually, the whole press box would know. Um, I, you know, also we managed to sometimes do a bit of a half-time show. It could be both of us just chatting comments from people in the chat room from abroad. Uh, sometimes about football, sometimes, you know, the quality of burger and chips at the ground. Sometimes a 15-minute rant about Fran Gavin, you know, it, it varied. Uh, there's probably no wonder, actually, some clubs kind of prefer to do the commentary far away from the press box. Um, so in, in Daily Mount, I, I used to do the commentary from the camera gantry, for example, but Rennie had had none of that. You know, he'd want to be in the press box at the back of the main stand. And, you know, he, he seemed to enjoy shouting the commentary at the Bose fans. You know, I'm, I'm amazed one night we got out of there. Um, another memorable one was one night down in Wexford. You know, we got down early to a, to a Wexford Utes game. And the restaurant was open, so in we went, got a pizza and a bottle of wine, table overlooking the corner flag. Ah, it was a bit miserable outside, so yeah, we just stayed there, drinking, did the commentary from the restaurant. You know, it's a part match commentary, part restaurant review. It was, uh, it was an interesting one. Over the, the few years, really, that I, I got to know him uh, reasonably well, I mean, maybe from our chats driving to and from games, um, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of discussions on, you know, economics, politics, history, um, him usually school, schooling me on them. Um, you know, people will probably know from the highlights that he, he was fluent in Irish. Uh, but more than that, he, he was an Irish language activist. You know, he campaigned a lot, in, you know, in particular for more Irish language and broadcasting. And also remember that Rennie was brought, uh, born in England. I think his father was Irish. Uh, and he came back over here when, you know, he was nine or ten. Only learned Irish really as a teenager. Um, and I remember him saying that, you know, his experience in moving here, I think it was the 70s, you know, was, was part of, you know, why he learned Irish. You know, he was seen as a Brit here. Um, but then it's just seen as Irish living in the UK, so it was, it was an identity thing. Uh, and, you know, he's he, he was an author as well. People may not realise he'd, he'd written a children's book in Irish and has uh, a novel, several short stories. Um, so it, it's no surprising with that, you know, storytelling ability that he, he was captivating as a commentator. 
I think he moved back to England for a couple of years, so also lived in, in Frankfurt, and I think is probably single-handedly responsible for the interest in, in Eintracht Frankfurt among Rovers fans, uh, as well as a couple of Eintracht fans who are, are devout hoops and you know, pre-COVID would be, would be over here a couple of times a year. So it, it was a shock to lose him. Uh, he he was at my wedding in in June two thousand and nine. Uh, actually, actually, he was doing the video, which I never got in the end. Um, I, I, he said that he wasn't feeling great at times, but for for the start of that summer, he you know he seemed okay. Yes, you know, a little over four months later, you know, he he wasn't with us anymore. So, yeah, it was a big loss personally, and you know, I think a, a big loss for the for the club too. All right, lads, uh, don't stay here. Thanks for um, asking me to make this video with a tribute to me all. Um, I first got to know Michal mainly through the um, through the forum when he was re- Renny at my Weiler. Um, he at that stage he was working on SRFC TV, and um, I think what what I really got to know him of was I think he used Ramstein, <laughs> which was really strange one to use on one of his videos. So that's how I got chatting to him, and then we discovered like a love a love of one of other kind of. German um, heavy metal, particularly Tankard, who were big Eintracht Frankfurt fans like he was. But I think the work he did with SRFC TV was really important. There was um, so much of the club's history had gone uncharted for 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 a long time. Um, so I think the fact that he got up and he was going to record in the games, particularly when we were in the first division, and he was kind of kind of making highlights and sending them to TV three. So we were still in the we were still in the limelight, even though we were in the first division. Um, I think if you look back at the video we made, I think it was the first night in Tala, um, uh, the Rovers Year Zero, where it's kind of a time lapse of the stand filling up to um, to the Stone Roses and different interviews he had with um, people. It was really captured, I think, that night, the first night in Tala, really, really well. Um, and uh, he was a bit of a, a, a tour de force, and a bit like a lots of energy he brought to that job and it, it just as I said it's just something that like would have gone on capture otherwise if, if he hadn't have just gone up and done it um, but then he started the um, the live stream on SRFC TV with Albert doing the um, the live videos and the thing which was like absolutely brilliant I know it was something that was um, really appreciated by people outside of Ireland who wouldn't get a chance to see the games normally and uh, unfortunately, when he was sick, he did ask me to um to to cover a couple of the games for him. What well, until he was back on his feet, and then um, those two games, I think, where we got beaten by Cork and we drew with Galway, which effectively ended our um our league title uh, run in two thousand and nine. So um yeah, Jason Maloney still calls it, still said I was jinxed <laughs> for for doing that, but yeah, no, it was a it was a real honour to take it over for him. And it's just a pity he never got back to um go back to do it again because when he unfortunately passed away but I think you can see the way SRFC TV is going today it was um, I still think that's that's his legacy and um, he'd be really still sadly missed at Rovers and on the Hoops bus where he was always great fun and um, like if you've ever been on the Hoops bus everyone knows that like everyone likes a good argument and um, Michal was one for standing his ground and there was plenty of heated debates on the back of buses coming home from games after a few drinks but yeah so as I said like in generally on the hoops bus and around uh, around Tala match night he's really missed so yeah keep on hooping Michal Carl Sale first met Michal in 2007 
I think if you're going to talk about great hoops who have passed on, who have contributed to the club, uh, of course, Michal's name needs to be on that list. Uh, you go to a Rovers game these days and it's clear to see things that his fingerprints are on. Uh, him and a few of the other lads uh, were the ones responsible for setting up the Ultras back in 2001. And uh, back then, the early 2000s to the mid-2000s would have been a very difficult time to set up such a thing at Rovers and at the in the league in general. But it was the likes of him, uh, Keto, Albert, uh, Steve Seary, uh, Paul Thomas and of course Joe the Hoop who stuck together. And even though they were getting told of, of penalties that they'd face at the club and within the league as a whole... They stuck with it because they believed in it. Uh, they believed in it for Rovers and they believed in it for the league as a whole. And now you can see how much the scene has come on since then. And it was those lads who set that up and were behind that. And today, it's now as strong as ever, as you can see when you go to games. Also, SRFC TV, which is such a huge and professional thing for the club these days especially over the last year or so with the uh, no fans at the game. It was Michal who was the brains behind that. He was the one who took on the challenge of getting to games, especially back in 2006 when we were in the fourth division and a, a lot of hoops, including myself, couldn't get to a lot of the games which were in the back arse of nowhere. But it was Michal who took it upon himself to get to all the games to record them, to go home and edit all the footage and send it off to uh, TV3 where uh, Rovers were the only club who had highlights on the weekly league show. Um, and as I say, today you see how much that is a huge success for the club, but it was Hall who was the brain behind that, who was the one who took it upon himself to make that a success. So, you know... It's just a pity in a way that he passed away in the fourth year in Tala because he was one of those who tirelessly campaigned to get the club there and knew how much of a success, success Rovers could be if they got to Tala and what potential the club had on and off the pitch. So it's just an awful shame that he didn't get to see an awful lot of that. And I think that the club is a poorer place without great fans like Michal going to games and contributing with ideas. Hi everyone, my name is Hugh O'Connor. Uh, I was a good friend of Michal's. Um, obviously I met him through Rovers, but I became very friendly with him outside of football, in, in the real world. Um, first, I met him first really on the Hoops SC bus when I was starting to go to matches, uh, away games. I would Sometimes I would have been there on my own and he had just returned from Germany, so he was newish enough to the to that uh, club as well. So we kind of gravitated towards each other over a number of years. Um, some of the adventures we had in away matches with him were great crack. Mick had a fondness for red wine and he'd drink lots of it. We would drink lots of it. Then we'd go on the bus and there'd be pints and there'd be beers on top of it. So it was all, it could always lended itself to messiness. I remember a particular game we were down in Wexford. I think it was uh, Mick O'Neill's first game actually. And we never left the clubhouse. So we, we sat in um, that, beautiful bar down there and just drank two or three bottles of um, Mick Wallace's 
personal Chianti. So everyone on the way back, of course, on the bus was talking about this Gary Twig fella looks good. That Sivas fella has potential. We hadn't a clue what was going on. <laughs> we just saw sort of 22 blurs running around the pitch. But um, it would have been a you know, it would have been a typical away game for us. Um, the thing is, I kind of think, jotting down some notes while I remember about Mick, and a lot of it comes down to he's a really strong personality, but he was still a really friendly and generous guy. And like, I subsequently found out that, uh, for example, back in the 70s, I believe, Mick got arrested for um, a protest where some Gaelgors were climbing up the, uh, the RT transmitter in, in Montrose, the big one in Donnybrook, and he got lagged for that. So he always, always had uh, strong opinions, strong political opinions, but they weren't necessarily always easy to figure out. Like, for example, he was a very militant Gaelgor. He really, really believed in it. And um, he spoke in Fiacre as his son, obviously, is a fluent Gaelgor. But he would also then, like, he f hated the GAA towards the end and their stance on Tala. Like, he had no time for their false nationalism. So he often wasn't quite easy to figure out. But when he did something, he did it right. For example... Um, back in the Talca Park days when TV3 started showing games they weren't actually sending camera crews to matches um, Mick took that on on behalf of the club and he would do highlights for fans he would put them up he was doing the highlights for TV3 and he was doing the highlights or he was doing full matches with edits for Pat Scully and subsequent Rovers managers and it was done properly he didn't like he went in he sat down and he spent a lot of time and effort doing it and the kit was very expensive at the time but he did it right uh, and lots of things in his life but I also remember his sense of humour I don't think I think people of an age will all remember the photo he put up on the old forum they're still there of uh, the, the space heater he had in his house that he reckoned looked like Forky and that was probably a little bit to do with some of that um, head shop kind of hash stuff that he used to enjoy that nobody else could really figure out but once he looked at it it did actually look like him it was brilliant but it was um, I kind of summed him up just a little bit mad but um, I also remember that, like the shock of his passing, we all went. A big gang of us went to Mulligans um, when we found out, and there must have been thirty or forty people dropped everything at short notice and went in to see him off that morning. And like his funeral was kind of typical of him, sort of elegant in a way and classy, but a little bit of chaos and anarchy going on with the flares and things going outside. And I remember um, myself and uh, we were in the family home. Be around the time a couple of days i think before the funeral and um his his ex-wife asked could somebody do a reading and john byrne of course went absolutely we'll get that done no problem we'll get, we'll get a reading done for you and then immediately turns around and says hugh you're doing that as i sound john thanks appreciate it but so i did have the honor of um doing uh, his the eulogy on behalf of rovers for for me hall at his funeral but um you, you do miss him i mean he he he, he left us far too young but also, I mean, he would absolutely love what Rovers is at the moment, on and off the pitch. I mean, he was as he was involved as a member since day one. He he saw the writing on the wall in terms of um, the previous regime, the um, the Maguire regime. But he also saw the the strengths and what we needed to do in terms of getting the membership structure up and running. He he would have seen that when he was in Germany. He was involved with Eintracht Frankfurt. I think he was still a, he was a member of Eintracht Frankfurt for. A number of years um so he was great crack i uh, loved his football um loved an argument and really really loved red wine so um we do miss him and um thanks for asking me to go on and say a few kind words about him thank you jörg streeler proud member of sg eintracht frankfurt and shamrock rovers fc dear Miho, 
For the first time, we met in November 2003 in train to Freiburg. I was in charge of the fan train to Freiburg for the newly founded Fanabteilung, the supporters branch of the club. You introduced yourself as a Sherlock Rovers man who had moved to Frankfurt and wanted to get an impression of the local team. Would be great if I had five minutes or so for a chat. And you might know. The rest of the whole train ride was then occupied by Irish history and politics, literature and, of course, the Rovers. Very surprisingly for all of us, you were the best informed of us about Freiburg's pubs. Of course, a friend of yours, part of your worldwide network of Roversmen living in Freiburg, has given you the insider information. In the old Heisamstadion, Eintracht played terrific football, wonderful football, and lost nevertheless. Because of the ref, of course, who was a kunt, as your words told us. Our fans, our chance, our support, our commitment, despite of that shitty result, impressed you. And this was the day you fell in love for Eintracht Frankfurt. A bit, of course, and far behind your love for the Rovers, of course. Since then, you regularly became part of our crowd. In our wonderful Waldstadion, away, and surely post-match, in the pubs of Sachsenhausen, the Bamble Bar, the Club at 33, or the Fichtigrenze, which was very close to your flat. Away matches became legends. Of course, the cup final in Berlin in 2006. We lost against Bayern München, of course, because of the ref, who was a kunt, as you told us. You made a wonderful film about that trip. Some have heard of it. It is the Eintracht trip. And again, a match in Berlin, Bundesliga. We took the wrong train and blamed it to you. So you were known to summon Frankfurt as Mihal Wrong Train. My sincere apologies for that, Mihal. The day ended without knowing the result, the scorer of our hat-trick, circling in a tube around Berlin and believing we had stranded somewhere in Poland. Great crack. Your only love in terms of football belonged to the Rovers. Full stop, exclamation mark. In those times, the Rovers had slipped down after wonderful times. The stadium had been hucksters, and the club played as a yo-yo team in the first or second division, being away even for home matches. A similar crash Antro Frankfurt had suffered these days after the first relegation in 1996. And in Frankfurt too, supporters came together organizing the resurrection of their beloved club, another parallel. And it was great and inspiring to meet all your Rovers comrades who, like us in Frankfurt, worked on that wholeheartedly. Some have, like you, passed away far too early. All the others still active for the club. Besides these friends, I met some very cool boys then. Young Ultras, friends of Fear Crow. You and many others have discussed, sometimes convinced, sometimes agreed, and sometimes not at all. You became one of the 400 club, and I cannot imagine how many hours, days, weeks, months your friends and you have spent filming matches, interviewing staff, team members, managers, and legends of the club, then cutting, producing, copying on to DVDs, labeling and distributing everything around the club for the early SRF CTV. For our young listeners, this was about 15 years ago, so no streaming ahead. And me all, you were so thrilled by the new home stadium, Tala. Whenever the German national team played in Dublin, we informed the supporters from Frankfurt and befriended teams to visit the Friday's home matches of the Rovers. In Frankfurt, we raved about the Rovers and in Dublin about the Eintracht. You and Fierkra became members of Eintracht Frankfurt and I became member of the Rovers. So the link kept on growing.
At the beginning of August 2009, you made your last trip to Frankfurt. Frankfurt played in the cup against our local rival of former times, Kika Sovenbach. Of course, you joined our crowd. Of course, we won. And of course, no pub in Sachsenhausen closed too early. At the end of your trip, you gave me the last DVD of SRFC TV. It was about the first kick of Antella. This was our last match. In German, we say, Krebs ist ein Arschloch. Cancer is an asshole. What you missed. Tala became the wonderful home of the Rovers. The club established in the Premier Division and in the European competitions. The championships of 2010, 2011 and 2020. FAI Cup in 2019. League of Ireland Cup in 2013. And the continuously growing and intensifying link of the Rovers and Eintracht Frankfurt. Fiocra and many other friends came for semi cup finals and cup finals in 2017 and 2018 and celebrated our late revenge against Bayern Munich in 2018. Our Rovers friends regularly visit Frankfurt matches and we visit Rovers matches at home or away, domestic or international. And the flags of the Shamrock Atlas are waved proudly. Thank you, Mio, my friend, for all of that. Keep on hooping. Hello Ireland, I'm Michael Kaspari from Frankfurt and a big supporter of Eintracht. I met Michal about 15 years ago. A friend of him and a friend of me said, Michael, that's Michal, talk to each other, you will enjoy. And so we did. So hope for the hoops, some pints for Michal in heaven and special greetings to Fiacra. Hi mate, how are you? It was the absoluteness by this fanchant of Eintracht Frankfurt supporters which impressed Michal one day when he sat in a German train with the Eintracht pack. These rude, boastful and arrogant words convinced him to get closer to the more or less successless football club in Frankfurt. By the way, alles außer Eintracht Frankfurt ist scheiße is in English something like everything but us is shit. Michal never would have used such awful words. He preferred the upper-class vocabulary like Fuck or Kunt or Fuckenfruitkeik. Every year when it is St. Patrick's Day, I wear a very old Ireland jersey, drink some pints and remember when we stood under the bridge in front of the Frankfurt Stadium and talked so often, when we held our Eintracht scarves and sang our song in the heart of Europe, or like we sing it. When we met before the match, Michal talked a lot about the really important meanings of life. He talked about beer, about football and about cunts. And he talked about Fiacra, his son he was very proud of. Once he brought Fiacra to a match in Nuremberg. Eintracht lost really bad 1-4 and Michal wasn't angry about this senseless football trip at all. He had a beer, he had a crowd of Eintracht fans with him and he had his wonderful son in his arms. When you watched Michal's face, you saw every time a gleaming in his eyes and a laugh in his face. And I remember your German like this. Thank you, Michal, for having been you. You are no cunt, but thanks for teaching me this word. I really use it very often since I met you. Hello folks, John Bourne here. Thanks very much for asking me along to uh, say a few words about my uh, dear friend Rennie. Um, 
aka Mihal Abrilakhan. Um, for me and for a lot of people, Rovers is much more than a football club, of course. You know, sometimes the football becomes secondary because, you know, it's really about people, isn't it, you know? And uh, over the years I've met and made many friends with all sorts of folks and misfits and uh, I suppose Randy comfortably fits into both categories. Uh, I can't recall when I got to know him first, but it was probably through the old Ultras message board. Um, shared common views on a lot of topics, not just Rovers. We basically just got on. He had a great sense of humour as well as a apparently alert bullshit detector. We had a lot of laughs. Uh, we also had a lot of drinks together as both of us were. Rather fun at the gargle. Hooping and a scooping, sure. What mortgage I want. Um, one of my favourite way trips in his company was to Wexford Utes. It was the first time Wex- Rovers played down there. Um, God, I can't remember what year it was, but it must have been about, God, about 13, 14 years ago. Um, talking away then was about the bar, the club. Uh, apparently Mick Wallace, who was running the show down there at the time, had an Italian team bar, and we thought, this has to be worth investigating. Um, unfortunately, when we got off the bus, the stewards had other ideas and wanted to keep us away. But uh, then, fortuitously enough, Mick Wallace turned up and uh, we said to Mick, we have this thing in our pockets called money and we want to uh, exchange it for your alcohol in your bar. And he said to stewards, right, lads, let these guys up there and let them spend their cash. So, uh, geez, we had a fantastic time that night. Um, <laughs> I think I saw about five minutes of the game. But sure, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people, especially pre-Tallow, he uh, gave up a fair chunk of his time and, and uh, he loaned the skill set to the club. Um, he was instrumental in setting up SRFC TV. Well, he was SRFC TV in the early days and uh, he became a familiar figure on League of Ireland gantries up and down the country. Uh, of course, he also made sure as well as, you know, that fans seen highlights and what have you. He also made sure that the Rovers manager at the time got a copy of a match video ASAP after each game. And uh, that cost the odd bit of butter over the years. Uh, he was also instrumental in setting up a, a play thing called the Atmosphere Bar, which was underneath the main stand in Tala. It was just after we, we moved in 2009. It was kind of a clandestine uh, arrangement for pre-match drinks for certain people. Uh, it didn't last too long as the, the old Politburo didn't approve. Um, back in the day, Rennie used to spend a lot of time in Germany. And they, that's how the link with Eintracht Frankfurt came about. And of course, still exists to this day. Um, when he was in Germany, he used to ring me up quite a bit. And uh, the, the phone calls were biblical. They, they could literally go on for hours and hours. Um, the man just loved to talk. Uh, he was very knowledgeable, smart, articulate and, and angry. It's such a great mix of characteristics, really. Yeah, uh, He was a guy who got things done. Yeah, smart enough, of course. See, you know, th- th- this is a guy who bought chairs in Apple when the company was still on the fringes. Yeah, he was no mug. And uh, as well as Roberts, he had a major graph of the Irish language. And uh, he brought his ultra mentality to that cause as well. Um, pretty sure it was him, yeah, he climbed up the TV mast an RTA one time and protest over the lack of Irish in RTA. Yeah, hardcore. Uh, when he died, I was, I was honoured to be one of his pallbearers. But the most memorable moment of that uh, depressing day was when a group of uh, the Ultras lined up at the entrance to um, Shangana Cemetery and, and let off flares as the funeral cortege passed. 
Yeah, I think uh, that mark of respect says it all about the man. Uh, finally, um, the other great thing Rennie did for Overs was, was bring his son, Fuka, up to be a hoop. Um, he's a great lad, and every now and again, it's, it's, I look at him, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's his own man, but yeah, he's still got, he's got a bit of Rennie there. Um, yeah, so uh, well done, Rennie. He's a credit to you. And uh, God, I miss you so much, mate. Cheers, folks. Okay, Jonathan Roach, um, memories of Michal Oberlecon, or uh, AKA Rennie. Um, <clears throat> well, Rennie and me met uh, really around the first time around 2005, following Rovers, um, when we were obviously struggling in Delhi Mountain, etc., or could have been the year before, uh, where Rennie may probably played a vital role in the digital the, uh, media outlet of the 400 club and the, actually run the club and, and the club at that time when our rovers at that stage were ahead of everybody I think in video production recording matches uh, etc um, putting stuff up on forums um, and all that kind of thing and it grew into when we obviously took over the club Rennie kind of became the media um, guru and even though Mark was still around um, he was very very strong uh, on the things he wanted to do and and uh, what what was right for the club, etc. And then, apart from the ultras bit of recording the ultras and gaining kind of fan stuff, he also done um, a lot of stuff for the football side, um, where all the matches were recorded, burnt on the DVDs. And one of my jobs every Sunday was to go over to Rennie's because uh, it was a Sunday after a Friday night game in Monkstown and uh, go into his very impressive house actually in Monkstown, big Georgian uh, house uh, uh, near the dart line and pick up the DVDs uh, for Pat Scully the next morning and if you hadn't got them on the Monday morning, if I hadn't got them on the Monday morning it would be trouble so uh, me and Rennie often went for a pint on the, on the Sunday night in Grogan's Monkstown uh, and argued uh, to and fro about rovers and and uh, etc. But um, the gas thing about Rennie is when uh, what I find funny and still do to this day. People on Twitter and stuff going back maybe five or six years and going, they've saying to me, "Oh, you're on Twitter." Blah blah. blah. My first tweet was the fifth of the second, two thousand and nine. I don't think most people were on Twitter or even knew about Twitter, and that's because of Rennie. Rennie was doing, wanted to do a live recording of something, of some match, of a stream on Twitter. I didn't know what a clue what Twitter was, and he goes, download this app, and I downloaded it, and he was talking to me through Twitter back in 2009, and I still have the tweets and the conversation from 2009. Um, so that's where I always remember Rennie, that actually he was ahead of everybody. Like, I don't, I know people were on Twitter, but it was very, um, how would I say, very small and meant people on Twitter 12 years ago, which it was. But Rennie was, and he was delivering media and sending me games over Twitter uh, uh, back in, uh, as I said, 2009. So great memories of Rennie. Um, remember him on the first day, being in the stadium in Tala for the whole day, actually that morning, same time as us. And getting ready to do all the recording and all and uh yeah it was just so sudden when he passed away it was like i think it was about a year or two year after tala um at least he got the enjoyment of that year we had a great year in the first division i, I just remember um 
Lenny was everywhere. Lenny was like us, one of us. He was everywhere. Um, but uh, I have great mem- memories of Lenny. Like uh, actually, like, funny ones, as in laughing at each other, having a rouse with each other. But then, always going over on the Sunday to collect that tape, because either Michael O'Neill or Pat Scully would be demanding it of me. And I think at that time it was it wasn't easy rendering video footage. And put onto DVDs and stuff like that. I think it took a lot of time, like, um, but he done that every single match, and uh, he is sadly missed. But at least he carries on through the ultras, and he had a, he was a great um, kind of uh, ultra kind of follower, um, uh, pushing them all the time, uh, etc. Uh, I used to have to remind them that uh, some of us in there uh, on the board were ultras before him or any of the ultras before, so uh, we knew where they were coming from as well, so no. Uh, good memories are any, and he deserves a podcast, if that's what it is. So, yeah, that's it. Fiacre O'Brillachan here, Michal's son. So as you heard there, my dad was a man with many different facets who kind of lived several different lives in different places. He was an Irish language activist, a published writer, an amateur historian, a stock trader, a passionate scuba diver, and of course an avid supporter of Shamrock Rovers, and of course later on Eintracht Frankfurt. But to me, he was my dad. Mick, Rennie, Michal, he got into Rovers, not in Milltown, but in Southampton, where as a child he would follow Rovers through newspapers, radio, and even the odd televised cup final on Pate, which was on English telly in those days. So it must have been a dream come true for him when he finally moved, when the family finally moved to Dublin where you could see Rovers in the flesh. And so as soon as I was old enough, or before I was old enough really, I was brought in a buggy to the RDS and I haven't stopped going since. My parents separated when I was only a baby. Um, so football, Rovers mainly, and later Eintracht, was our thing. I was brought to grounds all over Ireland and beyond and had some of my first cans on the Hoops SC listening to Michal and the rest of The View debate away. I was brought to Nuremberg and Unterhacking to see Eintracht but of course the main attraction was the time spent together. There's far too many Rovers related stories to tell so I'll pick one that many might not know. <laughs> when the Richmond Park riot happened in 2003 the one that got us kicked out of Richmond. I was only 12 at the time, and it was one of the first Bowes matches I was allowed to go to. He had to get me back to my mum in one piece, or there wouldn't be many other. We were at the Emmett Road when the trouble kicked off, and uh, the Bowes buses back to town were right in front of us. So he grabbed me, and both of us hopped on the bus, full of Bowes fans, who were at that moment in the process of being bricked upstairs. There was a few suspicious looks and questions asked, but my dad just put an arm on my shoulder and said, we'll be grand here. And we were. We took what was left of that bus back to town without another word being said by our co-passengers. I don't need to say anything about his various contributions to Rovers as they've all been said by others already, but it might interest people to know that it was scuba diving that led to the eventual birth of SRFC TV. Him and his girlfriend at the time, Sandra, were really into scuba diving and ended up being very qualified and experienced in it. And he began filming underwater, kind of probably to justify going on so many dives. 
this is where he learned to edit film and actually filmed, edited, narrated and produced a Blue Planet style documentary for T.G. Carr, which sadly never aired. He was a perfectionist and any hobby of his quickly became a profession or an obsession. I have to say I'm blown away by the tributes people sent in and I want to thank Gary and Carl for choosing to do this segment on my dad. He obviously meant a lot to many people, shown most obviously by the legacy of the Rovers Eintracht friendship which continues today. I really believe one of the greatest gifts he left me as an 18 year old was the many amazing adults that I knew through him and that's shown in today's contributions. Thanks, folks. Sinead. So, me, Hollow Brolacon, aka Ready, and that was fascinating listening. <laughs> that was a superb listen. I, oh. I, that was thoroughly enjoyable. So many things I picked out of that. Halftime shows, uh, commentary in a restaurant, Albert was saying. I'd love to have heard some of these. But even the train situation yeah. always brings me back. Like, when I heard that, I just thought it was in A. I just thought of someone else interested in something that is ours. Why? Why would you? Why would you? Like, you'd have to welcome them in with open arms. You know what I mean? They're showing an interest. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd you'd have to be some wanker that kind of just go, you know what I mean? And you love the fact that they open, welcome them in with open arms on the train, and then they were friends ever since. It's just a fascinating mm-hmm. story. It's class. Apparently, he liked red wine, uh, hooping and a scooping. That was I, met, I think three people had that story. <laughs> three people had the story about. I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall yeah. there. Like the German heavy metal. And of course, Frankfurt. We know, we know about those links. A uh, few people, few people use the word "strong," strong personality. I know. I've met. I, what? What exactly? What I've said. I've met Rennie a couple of times, and just, just his whole demeanor was an interesting individual who has really, really not controversial opinions, but is mm. opinionated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just the who he's a hoops SC veteran. It just sums him up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I loved uh, Farky's doppelganger, the space heater. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that space heater now. But um, there's always one, isn't there? Like when, when we do these, that was one that gets you in the fields. Gets you in the fields, make for, you laugh as well. I had all the fields. Yeah. I had every one of for the me. Fields. For some reason, it was John Byrne. He he got me in that one. He he it's I John I think John tearing up a little bit. Yeah. He was holding it back. Yeah. But I mean, they're stuff. they're not not to single one out. They're all I, I loved all of them. But uh, and you heard Jonathan Roche talking about his first tweet. He actually because I was I was interviewing Jonathan for the documentary the weekend, and he shows me on his phone. He goes, "Here's my first tweet in 2009," and it's just it's it's Rennie. It's nuts, isn't it? 2009. 2009 so he's, like, he's well I, in there. I joined Twitter in 2014. Roche well in there. Well, speaker was just as he said, just ahead of the curve. And um, yeah, nice words from Fieger at the end. Uh, his son, he said he was blown away by the tributes. That made, that's very rewarding for me because I met Pauline, Pauline Wilson at the game mm. a, a few weeks ago, and uh, she said she absolutely loved the tribute to Jack. And uh, she you te- could just imagine she, them she sitting up. back and listening, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Just going, this is lovely, this is lovely, and to hear so many people just have good words about your loved ones it's just it can only be amazing to hear do you know yeah. what I mean I love when the family members tell us that they can we find people that we love as well and people who hated them <laughs> <laughs> get that one on as well that'd be a bit of crack a fan's worst 11 yeah but brilliant stuff great tribute fantastic work by the prof once again but next up is the 
it's a big one this week, Prof. Big one, biggest one this season, and a starting eleven and predictions. Right, Prof, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be shocked. Gonna be shocked here. Madison go. Scales, Pico Joey. Scales is on the left side of the fence after that performance. After that, carry on. All right? You're going Cavill then? Going greener. Ooh. I'm going greener, left wing back. I'm going all out, attacking, in your face. Grab your balls, pinch your arse, slap your face. That is what I'm doing. I'm going all out. I'm going Gannon right full, believe it or not. I'm so, going I'm going Gannon right full. So, Finner? No Finner? Finner in the middle with O'Neill. I'm dropping Richie Tell. You're basically just ripping up the whole team here and just. I'm dropping Richie Hill. I'm I'm still pissed off over it, and I think he's been anonymous in the last couple of games. And I think he needs a little root up the hole. We've been brilliant with him in the team, understandably. Our results have been fantastic. They've 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 developed into a trend of winning with Richie in the team. But I just he was anonymous again. He was anonymous again. I think we need to drop him. I think Finn's press and O'Neill getting stuck in in here. I really really think that it's going to be effective. Green are just getting in people's faces, dragging them out. Just even that. Did you see him in the game? He was patting the arse off the goalkeeper. He was grabbing his arse and going, oh yeah, oh. Like, hmm, that's nice. Like, he's that's what you need in these games, especially when you're down. You need someone to get in their faces and Greener is that personality that we need. Greener left wing back, Gannon and right wing back because I think, I think we need legs out there and I think we need to get up the field quickly. And I think Gannon can do that and I'm praying he has a good game. I'm putting all my faith in the rings end faithful here. I want, I want them to have a good game. I want the old Gannon to come back like a, with a fucking vengeance we also need good balls into the box we don't just need an outlet though mm, true true but I just I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this one because I think I just think it's I think it's the way forward for this match I think we need to go all guns blazing mm. uh, I'm gonna go Burke, Gaffney and Danny Burke, Gaffney, Daphne all guns fucking blazing we cannot afford to pre-think our substitutions in this one's for me we need goals we need them now and we need to go all out, guns blazing. So on the bench of Richie Tell, um, of who else have we got on the bench? Of McCann, of McCann on the bench, of Richie Tell. Um, there's no real impact subs there, you could say. Who am I missing here, prof? I've got Horror on the bench. Sorry, I'm dropping Watts here. No, I can't drop Watts. This, I'm, oh, I'm after forgetting Watts. I used to always forget him. I knew you were going to forget Sander mid. So I can't, I can't drop bots. I'm sorry, I can't drop bots. I'm going all out for this one. I'm going to keep Finn in the middle. I'm going to keep O'Neill there. I'm going to keep Gannon there, and I'm going to have, I'm going to put Watts in for Andrew. And at least it's a, it's a, it's, it's better to have. I think Watts is probably a little bit more of an option, and at least Danny can do something off the bench. It's good, it's good to have an option on the bench. We didn't until that, but Watts now Watts is going in. But I'm still going all blazing. I'm still going all guns blazing I have to go for it and I'm going to say 3-1 win on penals Gaffey 2 Finner and then uh, Manus to get the win on penal another <laughs> long drawn out mental penal shoot a marathon I think we will I think yeah I I, I was impressed by Greener's impact as well actually in this game I was trying to figure out how to get him into this team so I was thinking Greener in for um, Andrew didn't start the game did he? No it came on impact so Who would I even sac- if, if I don't go left wing back I'd have to sacrifice Tell which I don't even want to do 
I know he has been he's been quiet. Uh, absolutely. But I think about his goal against Slovan. He, mm. he he has that in his locker. So I haven't a clue who I want to drop. I'm going for it here. But I I would like green in my eleven. I'm dying on my sword here, prof. That's what I'm doing. But I still yeah, I would still play scales left wing back. So, so who's his back three then? Well I want scales to be pushing on and getting to the centre midfield spot. I want him pushing on with the ball, advancing the way he does because he's superb with the ball at his feet. And there is where you start your attacks. Scales will be starting our attacks. He will be doing what McCann said he was supposed to do. Starting attacks. Scales advancing into the midfield. Bork, Mandrew, Gaffney looking for it with Finn and O'Neill. All willing to, to start these attacks with him. Scales will be advancing on. And then you'd have maybe Gannon dropping in when he is advancing to replace him in the back three. That's, that's the way I want to be looking at it. See, I'm not looking at the last game as I need to fix certain things. I'm just sort of looking at Scalesy made two goals in Albania. Tell scored a cracker against Slovan. I'm looking at what the players have done in the last couple of months. True, yeah. And if we play, if we if we hit what we know we can hit, then you know, we need moments like that again, I suppose. But a uh, prediction. 3-0. Uh, in extra time so we'll get the third goal in extra time oh and, and go the south stand will suck yeah. the ball into the nets like Prof says ever so eloquently but it is a huge huge game the south stand is going to be rocking I'm there have all have, the, have Jane with me have Larv oh, just buzzing for this one Tom every, all the gang are going to be there it's going to be mayhem Prof but we grace ruled out unfortunately and it's a big big blow I've heard it four or five times on the radio today I was out in the car today doing a lot I had to go and do a few bits um, the crowd definitely going to make a difference here Prof we're talking sucking the ball into the net just I think the fact that the odds are against us will roil the fans up even more this is this has the potential to be one of the best ever atmospheres in Tata even though it's just three and a half oh, thousand oh I'm thinking about it already Prof I actually looked up the attendances for Bran Bran was a little over five thousand Apollon was five and a half. So you're knocking 2,000 off of them, but still think because the odds are against us, I think fans will just be even more up for uh, Still going to be a lot of sound. Yeah, certainly get get the pipes ready for uh, for the singing. Get user user program. Get user user retro socks in, in the megastar. Get user group stages and three million squids. Yo! That's yeah. the users. We are in our way jersey though, Gary, which I'm not. It's too strange. Happy. Why can't we have it and they can have their like? Do the does our home clash yeah. with their way and their their buckets? Yeah, the the. So both went away. Both of them clashed. They wore their away kit in the first leg, so. Like realistically, yeah. it's superstitious bullshit. Realistically, actually, funnily enough, I was watching a fella called Tom Segura. You ever watch him? You're a comedy guy. No. I think it's probably the most I've laughed in a long time. And he was talking about superstitions, about how how absolute bullshit that they are. And I agree with him. Totally agree with him. He's, I think somebody was saying like, oh, don't walk under the ladder, you'll get seven years of luck. And he was like, you're a fucking adult. How can you believe that shit? And I was like, no, he has a point. So, no, I don't think that uh, kits will make a difference. But Profits, potentially the biggest game ever in Tala. Most lucrative, expensive one. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident in this team and their ability. Um, I'm hearing the players are confident. I'm hoping so. 
I'm hoping so. I'm hoping they can really turn it around. But we don't want another moral victory like Slovan. We don't want to get the two, but also concede mm. and kind of glorious failure grow that way. We'll see what happens, Prof. I but, think um, I'm very, I'm very confident though. I'm very confident. I'm just looking forward to the spectacle as well. You know, being in the game and being nervous again and watching every. Sometimes you might have a chat in the game. Let's be honest. In a league game, you could have a little chat with your pal, take your eye off the mm. off the game. All eyes glued to this fucking match. This is a big one for you. You're Don't f- talk to me. Your first Euro home game in three years. You've just jinxed it. <laughs> You've just jinxed it. Well done. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 11 to 4 to win the toy prop, and they're 1 to 4. We're 8 to 11 to win the game. Yep. So we are strong favourites at the minute to win the game. But The early goal is the buzzword at the moment, isn't it? Early goal. But um, 90 minutes is a long, long time. We say it all the time five minutes is a long time of football prof. Just takes a second to score a goal. So Before the Tudor game, I remember in the programme, because I've been doing this uh, double page of stats for, for Europe for five, five, six years now, and I always had this youngest goal scorer stat. And for some reason this year I had my eye on it. I was like, I wonder would that ever get broken? And sure enough, I'm all broken. Yep. Now I've put another stat in the programme. Oh. I've put in fastest European goal. Oh! Richie Purdy six minutes against Aldi in 1998 get in there bruv I say let's break that one break that fucking record shatter it yeah. I'm getting excited here prof <laughs> yeah so it's told out prof absolute sellout all we can sell has been sold snapped up absolutely snapped up we are gonna have this place rocking from the get go south stand is gonna be buzzing Cannot wait. Absolutely buzzing, Prof. Really, really looking forward to this. So no SRFC TV for this one. It's RTE. So Rennie would still have been up there in the gantry with his camera if he was still with us, defying all the odds, giving fucking RTE the fingers. <laughs> so German heavy metal band, load it up. I'll go for a bit of Rammstein, Prof. Highlights package will be would have been unbelievable this time round. So, Prof, whether you're in the south, whether you're in the east, whether you're in the west stand, sing your heart out. Slant. That's ball. It's knocked forward from Anstrom, but uh, Aiden Price is going to win the race and uh, knocks it back a bit better this time to Duggan. Duggan now under pressure from Anstrom, kicks it out. He's looking for Birmingham. Will Birmingham keep this in play? Birmingham does keep it in play. He's knocked forward Sean O'Connor. Sean O'Connor. Oh, and a terrible ball from Sean O'Connor. No, it's not actually. He, went to, he was looking for Price. Price knocked. Big one over the top. Gary Swig now inside the area. He's popped it over Bennion's head, and that's 1 0 for Sean O'Connor. And Gary Swig just can't stop going. Absolutely beautiful goal from Gary Twig. Great combination down the far side of the pitch. And uh, was knocked right over the top there for uh, for Gary Twig. Gary Twig just outstretches the foot, gets it over Bennion. And uh, the ball lands nicely and delightfully in an empty Dundalk net. So uh, 